0: Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I am your host, Kevin Wallace, and we have a very, very full episode to get into today. Look, so much has happened since the last time we recorded that you're in for a doozy of an episode on this one. It's a two-parter in part one. It is all FC Cincinnati. New player signings, Kip Killer, and Rumored signings. Miles Robinson heading to FC Cincinnati? In addition, there was a CONCACAF Champions League draw and so much more. You throw that on top of the Open Cup news? Well, you got one hell of a postcast episode for you here today. Joining me to talk about all of that and more, I am joined by two gentlemen, finally, who are on this off-season journey with me. We're joined once again by Grayson. Uh, welcome back from parts unknown, and by the chief and chief. I, I need a status update. I've been worried about you since last week. Is it warm in your house?
1: It is warm. Oh, thankfully. Thank God. Thank the, uh, the the god of heat, the god of HVAC, and the god of plumbing. <laughs> it did take two full days of plumbing work at the house because on day one, the work was done, and then the person from Duke Energy showed up and said, not good enough, uh, try again. Wow. And when asked, like, what do we need to do to fix this? Not my problem. Call your people. And so <laughs> called our people back again and... uh And yeah, we're 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 cooking now. It's exciting. This is it's amazing how the little things in life bring you so much joy, like the sound of your furnace turning on and your house not being warmed by an electric space heater. So we're good. Happy, festive. Glad to have Grayson back.
0: That is that is so, so lovely to hear. And yes, Grayson, how are we feeling? Do we feel recharged i don't know
2: how how are we feeling post post time away i spent 23 hours traveling yesterday
0: so recharged got it from when i
2: (laughs) from when i got in the car um to drive three hours to the airport (laughs) and when i got to my house it was about 23 hours Wow! So I'm in. I'm I'm energized.
0: Bring it on, baby. I
1: mean, (laughs) that's a lot of time for complimentary beverages on the flight. And that's
2: after I think I think I slept four hours the previous night.
1: Oh, we definitely should have recorded yesterday. That would have been one of the all time greatest podcasts.
2: (laughs) Yeah, if you guys wanted to stay up till till uh, I think I got in in my door at 1230 a.m.
1: that would have been been incredible content like just tell us how your last 24 hours have been right
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh hey by the way uh we just got this incredible open cup news react now on zero sleep (laughs) i I I was i was
2: out uh so i was six hours ahead so when that news came out (laughs) i was i was feeling pretty good. (laughs)
1: yeah because i we were on the text message thread and i didn't know when you were coming back and i was like do you want to just hop on at some point from whatever time it is in your place to get your quick reaction to the open cup news and quickly it came back what open cup news (laughs) (laughs)
0: oh you're gonna have a fun time on twitter for the next 10 minutes
1: (laughs) pour yourself another drink and back read this it's it's a doozy
0: (laughs) oh god yeah we will uh i think obviously touch on the open cup news uh but for the time being let me just throw a thread out there we are an fc cincinnati podcast and so we will talk about f c Cincinnati first year um no we there was a lot oh my god i I forget how much news happens when we move to one a week, like one episode a week, like before i don't know i I don't remember anything you know being this crazy in the offseason and yet here we are uh so much happens in one week this offseason for fc cincinnati um which makes so, sense because
1: like we're compressing yes. a full well, off season. like we had last year where we end the season in like mid-october like right, late october right and so we had from late october until the season kicking off in late early march late february yeah. like that's a long time that's months we're now compressing all of that down into weeks so yeah it's gonna be a little newsy from time to time
0: that is true we had a uh, a winter world cup uh covering up a lot of stuff too so
1: oh yeah we did didn't we <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's been a wild year uh, so far Man. so um I throw it to to you two, or or maybe I'll I'll let Grayson, uh, for rejoining the pod here, Uh, Grayson, where do you want to start first for FC Cincinnati News? There's player signings, re-signings, opponents, maybe signings, all sorts of fun stuff to go over here.
2: Um, I think we, uh, I think the first thing to talk about is, uh, we finally have a cap on Yu Yukubo's option years with FC Cincinnati. <laughs> that we know of. Well, there's yes, for the first time, there's been a recorded a reported <laughs> end to his to his deal.
1: <laughs> to this deal. <laughs>
0: this is really a sad moment in FC Cincinnati history that we are finally faced with the fact that Yu may not be forever an FC Cincinnati player. He may retire or, God forbid, play for another team at some point in the future. Um, yeah, YuYakubo re-signs with FC Cincinnati. Um, good news, I think, in general, we were all in favor of a YuYakubo resigning. signing uh, The real question will be, and this was always the question with Kubo, is what what is salary requirements are i have to imagine that has dropped off of the uh dp level wages he was making previously um but yeah we've got him for grace i don't know do you have the contract details yeah. in so front he of you signed
2: there, he signed through 24 and 25 okay. with an option for 2026
0: oh, so close to getting that long-term deal designation right. not quite a long-term <laughs> extension long-term ish
2: but I did, you know, according to my numbers um, that I stole from transfer market, um, assuming no injury
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, by the by by at some point next season, Kubo will have played Kubo will have played more games for FC Cincinnati than he has for any other team in his career,
1: which, wow. I, think, which I think officially makes him an FC Cincinnati player.
2: Yeah,
0: I think so. Huh. Bring it on. I love he's, that. He's, he's we got, are
2: inevitable. He's got 137 games for BSC Young Boys. Um, and a lot more goals, <laughs> too.
3: <laughs>
2: but are he's hundred
1: are you suggesting that young boys didn't radically change his position and ask him to become a defensive mid in the middle of his contract?
2: Yeah, actually, I'm looking at this, and his, his goal-scoring rec- record at literally every other team, well, except for FC Nuremberg, but at the rest of his teams, uh, right. his goal-scoring rec- record is actually quite good. Huh. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe he maybe he should have just been played as a forward all along. <laughs> <laughs> But also, right, so I think it, it also a, goes to show you that, like, yeah, yeah. just because you can score, like, all Europe is not equal, right?
0: Right, right.
1: So, like, if, if, if they move him back to striker this year and he scores a ton of goals, is it joy or, or furious anger at how he's been misdeployed his entire time here?
0: I'm going to go with anger. You know how much we have been begging for a solid, reliable striker to the point where when Brandon Vasquez put together his season last season, the entire world was ready to annoy him. The next U.S. national team striker, the face of MLS, uh, you know, the next guy off to Europe for tens of millions of dollars. We have needed a striker for so long. Kubo played on a team with Barial, Brenner, Licatia, uh, Acosta. Like, if we could have had a competent goal-scoring threat up top this whole but, time. But like,
1: like, if Yuya Kubo next year wins the golden boot, and, and like, that's, that's been here the entire time, and we we just had a string of pl- managers that just didn't want to play him, at this position. <laughs> I
0: like, think so, UEFA like
1: violent anger would have to be the only response, right?
0: UEFA will have to pull the licensing for a uh, yapstom for sure. And USSF will take another look at Pat Noonan <laughs>
2: just to see what was going on. Yeah, so I, uh, uh, you know, I just, I just checked and we scored t- 37 goals in um, the 2021 season. Okay. Um, and some of the players on that team included, um, Lucio Acosta, Brenner, Yuya Kubo, Alvaro Barial, Brandon Vasquez. That team scored 37 goals over the entire <laughs> MLS season. And the next year. Brenner and Vasquez scored just between the two of them, 36. <laughs> so I'm glad
1: we can laugh about this now. So oh,
2: so Kubo coming out next year and getting, <laughs> you know, 18 goals on of, of, of his own just makes that 2021 season funnier. Um, now, do I think that's going to happen? No, I think I think we've seen I think Kubo's role. And I don't want to say, like, hopefully it's reflected in his pay, because I don't I don't really root for anybody to take a to take a pay cut. Right. Um, I I assume it's a deal that makes sense for both sides. Yeah. And is a little cap friendlier than what we had him on um, this past year, I think. But I think he's kind of settled into this um, guy who's like. Occasionally looks like the best player on the field but isn't like a starter at any position and is just kind of the best, the best backup at half the spots on the field. Right. And is going to start if, you know, any of five different guys is unavailable.
0: Yeah. And, as the roster is constructed right now, we assume there will be uh, changes in the near future. But I, as it's constructed right now, I, I believe he is a starter on this team. So we'll see what else happens. But I still I mean, think he would start. He could him. be
1: the starter at three different positions on this team right now, depending on what the roster is. He could be a starter in the midfield. He could be a starter at wing back, or he could be the striker pair with Bupenza right now.
2: Well, so right now, his. Based on the current roster composition, which I think I get what Kevin's talking about, um, Junior Moreno is not on the roster, correct? Which by default makes Yuya Kubo the starter um, at that midfield position next to next to Obi. Which if that's if that's what we go into the season with, I don't consider that one of the positions of need, right? Um,
0: Yeah, because there's other
2: spots where we. Don't currently have starters like right back. Um, but nevertheless, I would I would expect there to be another midfield signing. If okay, only but, for like competition, right? OK,
1: but that, that's interesting that you bring that up. Do you think we're going to go into the season, go into the season? Not that he will be eventually, but we will go into the season with Yuyakubo as the starter at some position on the field because we talked last week while you were in parts unknown about this idea that it's going to be very difficult for Albright to get all of his shopping done in one window assuming that Vasquez and Barial are sold do we think that at this point Yacubo is a likely starter going into the season because now that you bring that up yeah that makes a lot of sense actually
3: yeah, i think
2: the you're... longer we go sorry sorry kevin no you're good i think the longer we go without firm announcements uh, or at least like Stronger rumors than we've seen for Brandon and Alvaro, the more likely it is that Kubo is a starter match day one. And my reasoning for that is you can't really bring in replacements for Brandon and Alvaro until you've sold them.
3: Yeah. Because Forget you need to have, fusion.
2: you need to get the gam, and you need to have like the roster, roster and budget space. Um and they're going to be looking at, we'll talk about some we'll like talk about one of these positions later, but they're going to ta- be looking at in the near term, right back, whether it's right wing back or right back, center back for sure,, uh, probably a midfield replacement for Moreno, even if it's not signing somebody who's a nailed on day one starter, but but somebody. Probably ahead of Angulo, yeah. You know, from from what we've seen, because I don't, I don't, I doubt that they're aiming to go into the season with a midfield depth chart that's like Kubo, Angulo, Pinto.
0: Yeah, that's basically you know? your your midfield um, depth just, right now.
2: Just that's that's not yeah. enough experience, I think, for where this team wants to be, especially with the quick competition of of also having a champions league right, right at the start of the season. Um, So the longer it takes to sell Vasquez and Barreal, the harder it becomes to not only replace those positions, but I also think to replace other starter level positions because you're not sure what you have to work with in your roster. Um, and I think that that pushes um, the, the midfield replacement or midfield depth a little bit to the back burner. And while your focus is more on, we definitely need to get in a starter at right back and, a, and probably a starter at center back because Mascara's, you know, almost certainly not coming back. Right. Yeah. Um, the, other pro-
1: the other problem too is and that... Just, one, just one,
2: more, one more bit. But even if they did bring in like a midfield player, who was like a Junior Moreno level, and then they sold Vasquez sometime in like, you know, mid to late January. And even if they brought in a Vasquez replacement kind of quickly, I still think there's there's a decent chance that there's decent chance that Kubo ends up starting up top. Next to Bupenza anyway. Interesting. Because it's like, you know, if, if that, if that signing is coming from abroad, there's always that period of adjustment, you know, and there's very few players, high profile international transfers that they've brought in and started, you know,
3: their first game after only a couple of days training.
2: Except for like Obi. Which like Obi was like, well, we have nobody else that plays his position on the roster. Right. right. Necessity. <laughs>
1: Yeah. The the other issue, too, is that when you talk about getting that infusion of GAM, the infusion of GAM you're talking about is really only useful for trades within MLS. That's where its primary usage is going to be. Since it's a one-time infusion, it's not like you're going to have that to sign someone and then buy a contract down for multiple years using that. You're only going to have it for one year.
2: Um, Yeah. I think people don't appreciate that, that like, if you have an, a bunch of extra GAM, well, okay, that's like a trade asset because if you use that to defray somebody's like high salary or transfer fee this year, well, you're still going to be carrying their annualized salary and transfer fee next year, but without that extra GAM to buy it down. Right. Yeah. I'm not sure like everybody appreciates that like just because you have a bunch of GAM this year, that doesn't mean that it makes sense necessarily to bring in somebody on a high salary or, or, or who needs yeah. a transfer fee. Right.
1: We, the, the, the primary usage of GAM then is it is a asset to sell to other teams and trade for other teams and trade for other players. And it may well be the case that if you don't have it right now, as teams are roster building, and you don't get that infusion until like January, late January, Some trades are just not going to be available at that point because teams have settled into what it is they want to do with their rosters, and everybody thinks they've got some kind of a chance, and you might not be able to make use of that GAM until later on in the year when teams have sort of shook out and see what it is that they've got going on with their rosters. So that GAM infusion, even if you get it in January, may not end up being useful until deeper into the summer when you can buy a distressed asset or buy a player from a team that's obviously going nowhere and looking to offload contracts and retool ahead of a new regime or something like that. So, yeah, I agree with your point, Grace, in that like the sale of Vasquez and, and Barial, it's going to bring that infusion in. It's going to give some salary relief, especially with with Vasquez since he's going to open up a high level salary spot. But like the gam you're getting back might not be immediately useful as a item other than to hold for a future trade
2: asset or to sign Santi Arias again on another, you know, one year deal with a one year option, which you could do because
1: Santi Arias is on a one year option right now. You could use this game to buy Arias's contract down, knowing that I only need to buy his contract down for this year because I don't have to pick his option up the next year. Well, they declined his option. So well, that's not here. I'm thinking. Sorry, Sergio Santos is the player I was thinking. Sergio of. Santos. Sure. Well, you could yeah. use that game to buy his contract down this year yeah. to create more room this year, but the, the it just doesn't have the value in it because it's a one time thing. You can't roll over into next yeah. year
3: which is where you will yeah. see
0: the amusing trade every once in a while of GAM for TAM. Or uh, in theory, you could do a GAM for GAM trade where you could trade 2024 GAM for 2025 GAM. So and, and you probably lose something in the exchange rate, but such bizarre trades are in fact possible with our lovely, lovely D&D rules of, of right. MLS.
1: Which is, it's it's probably the best time to put this in the podcast at this point just because we're going to be jumping around anyway. And that's that there was possibly some unfounded expectation that FC Cincinnati would get more flexibility with this year's roster by rule sets changing or rules changing with MLS. There was some unsourced stuff going around about a fourth DP or potentially a movement of the TAM threshold up to 2 million as opposed to like 1.6 million where it is right now or even a um a change in the rules about U22 spots where you could get you uh, all teams would have access to three U22 initiative spots regardless of whether or not you were using a young dp for your third designated player and we got the news this week in MLS's PR week PR a palooza news dump this week
3: <laughs> that
1: there are no substantive changes coming to the rules and the roster rules and the salary rules for MLS. I think the only change they announced in terms of how salary and budgeting works is that they've now allowed you to get one of those gam infusions for selling a designated player, which you previously weren't able to do. But there's no help on the horizon for FC Cincinnati in terms of, oh, well, the rules have changed to accommodate our Lord and Savior down in Miami and the idea of building better teams. So that's off the table. The rules are what they are, which was tremendously disappointing, but just this league, man.
0: (laughs) So, uh, Grayson, let me pick at something you said earlier. Uh, At this moment, if the season started tomorrow, you're putting Kubo in that starting 11 over uh, Santos, if the decision came down to one of those two. At striker,
2: um, well, I think he needs to start at midfield. I see, because who who starts in, is in midfield. Uh,
0: in this case, you'd put Angulo then, so it would be Waboto, Acosta, and Angulo as your starting midfield trio. I'd yeah, probably I, mean, rather, I would
2: start. I'd probably rather
1: have Kubo as a striker in that scenario.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would start Kubo over Santos. Um, I just don't. I don't know if it was, I don't know if Santos was hampered by his injury last year. He's got a long injury history. It doesn't really affect on a single game basis, whether you would start him over Kubo. But I, especially later in the year, I just didn't see it in him as a starter. Yeah. And I feel like if he's got, unless, you know, unless he comes back and shows a lot more, I feel like if he's got any, you know, real strength to add to the team, it's, as a sub where he's using his speed against tired legs. Yeah. yeah, He'd be, he'd be
1: the first person I use the one-time buyout on this offseason.
2: <laughs> 800-
0: no, that wasn't, that wasn't oh, the
2: question. I know it wasn't the
0: question. <laughs> it's I'm certainly just, an answer to the question. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right, um, before we leave you Kubo,
1: I need yes. a quick take from the two of you because you're both fans. More likely to occur, Yu Yakubo wins the Golden Boot, Jake Browning takes the Bengals and wins the Super
3: Bowl. Kuba wins the Golden Boot. I think it's more likely. Yeah, I think that that's right. I don't know. Did you
1: see that clip of him shouting at the camera, you never should have fucking cut me?
3: I
2: There's, liked that. I'll tell you. I I'll like tell you that, that a pretty lot. Pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, I think hey, you guys might be wrong on this one.
0: <laughs> you heard it here first on this podcast. I said... Browning was one of the greatest high school quarterbacks of all time. So, you know, I've, I I've,
1: it. Se- I've seen this movie before. Uh, <laughs> it was Drew Bledsoe that was hurt, not Joe Burrow. But
0: oh, oh, no. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, Nick Foles also comes to mind. So I, I won't get too excited just yet. There is, but...
1: there is one player in NFL history to throw for as many yards with as high a completion percentage as uh, Browning has had over his first four games. That's Jake Browning.
0: Hey, speaking of quarterbacks that shouldn't be doing as well as they are, but they are. Looking at uh old Baker Mayfield getting Free, eat the
1: p- oven to 450 and let's bake, baby.
0: Perfect. A perfect quarterback rating uh at Lambo. He's one of only a handful of quarterbacks to ever do that. Aaron Rodgers has exactly one perfect it's quarterback just the, rating it's game. It's just
1: the two of them, Rodgers and uh, and uh They're Baker the Mayfield. only two? Only wow. Two.
0: Yeah so good this is the first
1: uh, buccaneers regular season win in the winter in lambo ever that i know that's not shocking that's, that's, that's not shocking in the slightest <laughs> <laughs> <A> little <laughs> horseshit franchise from florida say, struggles in bad weather
0: i'm not gonna took, disparage but <laughs> it only took 40
1: years of global warming to make this possible
0: that's a good point you know bring on the winter <laughs> yeah. schedule for soccer yeah. it'll yeah. it'll pan out in a few years anyway <laughs>
1: thanks to our fossil fuel industry winter in lambo just doesn't hit the same way as it did when i was no. a kid
0: it's nice uh, you gotta go up to lambo in december it's nice though yeah it's, it's uh, beautiful this time of year <laughs> Well, then chief i go to you we've we've i think successfully checked the Yuya kubo box also just if i could just get kubo in a cowboy hat just at some point just whoever may be listening i would like that
3: uh, I, was, no, I was
1: i was actually thinking that what we need to do is on the off chance that our relationship with the fc cincinnati has improved to the point we can get players on this show although kevin i think you might have been poisoning the well a little bit this week online we'll get we'll get into that in segment 2 but if we ever get to the point where we have active players that were are allowed to join this this merry band of of idiots I want our first. I want at our first question, or at least our la- or our last question, one of the two, to be tell us one interesting fact about Yuya
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> I feel like we've asked a lot of former guys about GB. I'm fine with changing that to Kubo.
1: Yeah, tell me, tell me your <laughs> best Yuya Kubo story. I just I want to build the legend.
0: <laughs> you were gonna get a lot of stories like he opened the door for me once at training that's, like fine. Has, that's, that's fine that's fine he is a great <laughs> he is a
1: world-class door opener although i do fear that we ask this and we find out oh yeah in practice he tackles late all the time he's the dirtiest motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: like no no cut that no, cut that no, cut no, that no, no. we don't need that out there in the world uh no chief i i ask you where would you like to go next there's, there's i a- would
1: love to go and talk about a player that you would literally die for Kevin.
2: We got we word, it.
1: we got <laughs> word this week. I call this vindication because yes. on this very podcast, on one of the first episodes we ever recorded, uh, it was the two of us sitting with Grayson and lamenting the fact that FC Cincinnati did not draft one Kip <laughs> Keller and how could FC Cincinnati have the audacity oh. given the poorest defense and the poor backline play not take this locked on surefire week one starter kip keller um there was only one member of this crew that thought the roman celentano pick was clearly superior that was you grayson take your flowers take your victory lap here in a second i want to note too that it didn't make us feel better i don't think that kip keller was a day one starter for austin and they immediately kicked the shit out of us in game one to the tune of like five to nothing i think
0: that was really rough
1: (laughs) not a great not great for your boy here but but we got word that better late than never kip keller is coming back to his for back for the very first time to his rightful home of the fc fc cincinnati he's a gary kevin you said i will die if fc cincinnati does not select kip keller in the super draft how are you feeling right now alive i hope
0: Feeling alive, feeling in a lot of ways invincible now that I've taken death off the table with Kip Keller on the roster now. So that's good. I, I like that. Spitting in the
1: face of death.
0: <laughs> I um no, this is great. I mean. We can talk about it, and I'm happy to play the character that Kip Keller is the greatest center back of all time, and he will immediately walk in to this team. We no longer have a mascara size hole in this back line. We have a Kip Keller size wall on our back line. <laughs> um, but no, this is this is a, a very good move. This is one of those shrewd MLS moves that you look for with a Chris Albright as your GM uh, trading a third round draft pick, which. Look, I'll be the first one to say, hand up, I was wrong about the value of the Super Draft generally, but I think everybody can agree, the further away you get from those top 10, top 15 picks, the more of a crapshoot it well and truly becomes, and a third round draft pick We're at the point of that draft where most teams are passing, or at least a fair number of teams are passing on even taking a guy. FC Cincinnati turned that third-round draft pick into Kip Keller, who was, as we discussed, a very highly regarded college prospect from St. Louis University. And, uh, yeah, it costs nothing to acquire him. And if he's terrible... So be it. He can go join an FCC two team that is also terrible. Uh, but if he pans out, if we do believe the good coaching that is here in in Cincinnati can improve him in some way, shape, or form, this could be a really, really, really clever pickup. And I see only upside here. There's no downside to signing Keller.
1: You know, it's funny that you just mentioned um Baker Mayfield because there is something in sports where. It becomes very hard to outstink a first-round pick label or a first-overall pick label or a top-five pick label, mm-hmm. and you see guys: Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold. You know, I'm sure Zach Wilson, when he gets cut by the Jets this off-season, will find <laughs> a home solely based on the idea that somebody is like, "I can fix that guy." I right. scouted him coming out of college. Whatever his problems are, we've got the people that can fix him. The talent is still there. The tape from college is still there. He's still Kip Keller, and I can fix the problems that kept him from being truly successful at another stop. And to that point of where that's maybe not copium or hopium here in Cincinnati, we are talking about a coaching staff that has turned Ian Murphy from first round draft pick into very serviceable MLS player. And that's all you need from Kip Keller. You don't need him to fill the Yerson Mascara sized hole he's not going to fill the Yerson Mascara-sized hole. But if he is a competent MLS player, boy, wouldn't we have killed for that (laughs) against Columbus as we were desperately trying to play Tetris and Jenga at the same time to fill out our back line, missing Nick Haglund and Matt Miazga.
2: Yeah, so think about if we had like a right-footed Ian Murphy to play in the MLS Cup semifinals. Or yeah. um, somebody a little taller than or a little better in the air than Alvis Powell coming off the bench to play center back in the U.S. Open Cup semifinal hmm. against Inter Miami.
1: Famously, I think, a game where jumping didn't matter.
2: Yeah. So <laughs> I think that that's like. um, I think that that's the type of thing you would hope for with this signing, which is like if like the a really good a really good case scenario is we end up with a player more or less as good as Ian Murphy as an option on the right side of the center back trio right
3: yeah
2: um and you know i think you know he he was highly touted you know coming out of coming out of college um you know, FC Cincinnati's coaching staff is well aware of the struggles that he has had getting on the field in Austin. I don't mm-hmm. think that's like a. I don't think it's like a new data point to them, right. and they still see him as somebody who could, who can help them. Um, I assume he's on a deal that doesn't hit the cap. Um, so with the gener- so, so I saw somebody I I think you know ask like, well, why would Austin not pick up his option? If he's, if he's good enough, you know, to make our team, right? And um, I think what we saw, what what I would what I would players I would bring up are uh, Johnny Nelson and Brett Halsey, who were Generation Adidas draft picks, and with Generation Adidas contracts, players get um, longer term, guaranteed deals. The normal draft picks, and they also get a higher initial salary that doesn't right. hit the team's uh salary budget. So you end up with like a low six-figure contract versus making like reserve minimum, which is like sixty-five thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, and then when their option years come up, if you pick up that player's option, you're picking up their option at like a low six-figure salary that's now going to hit your salary budget because they're not subject to that generation Adidas exception anymore. So what Austin, the option Austin was looking at was, do we decline his option and, you know, risk losing him in the re-entry draft or do we pick up his option, pay him a six figure salary and have him take up a spot on our, um, senior roster. Right. So what? What Chris Albright did that was actually like quite a, quite a deft, low cost move, was when his option was declined. Chris Albright traded him that third traded Austin, that third round draft pick, and then signed him to a first team deal with FC Cincinnati before the reentry draft. So rather than see if another team would pick him up in stage one or stage two of re entry, we just went ahead and signed him to the roster. Yeah. And I'm assuming that his contract is going to be coming in at the senior minimum and he won't be taking up uh salary budget space um, or be on the senior roster. Right. So I think this is going to end up looking like a very, like a, like Kevin, like you guys said, like a, like a low cost, no risk move that doesn't need a whole lot to pay off. Right. No. Right. I mean, like you had like Johnny Nelson coming in, he started, you know, a dozen or so games uh, yeah. and was, was able to help the team make the playoffs yeah, as a useful fine. piece. Yeah. You know, that's, we don't need anything more than that from this roster spot. No. Right.
1: And like, he's that- It was missing all of last year. This particular roster spot was missing. So it's value add at this point, assuming they can find someone that's a starter level center back to replace Yerson Mascara, which they absolutely need to do. And assuming that Hagelin comes back from injury successfully, which no reason to think that won't happen. But yeah, they've needed that fifth center back forever. And especially if they're not going to switch formations, if they're going to keep playing three at the back, you need to have five center backs to do that. And if this guy is the fifth center back and all it cost to get him was a third round pick and a senior minimum salary mission accomplished for a dude that actually has minutes starting in this league.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I would also add that uh, I don't know a lot about how Austin plays. Okay. But it does look like they typically run out four four man back line, which means playing two center backs, and so that means what he was asked to do for Austin is going to be very different than what he'll be asked to do. yeah, for us in our, I assume sticking with that three three center back system. yeah, but it just it just fits the personnel that we have, especially if we bring in, you know the another starter as, you know, the the Mosquera-type replacement. Yeah,
0: Yeah, exactly. And as Chief said, that's what this team needs, right? A fifth, even a sixth center back off the bench that you could trust uh, when that's called upon. Well, speaking of bringing in that Mosquera-level starter, we also got rumor this week, got word there was a rumor of one miles robinson visiting tql stadium therefore visiting fc cincinnati on the first day of free agency uh for those who are somehow not aware of miles robinson uh is a very 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 good center back one of the better center backs in mls a u.s men's national team uh starter uh probably is now the uh, third center back on that depth chart right now, but is very, very close to being a full-time starter for the U S men's national team. Uh, he is eligible and is re-signing. Essentially Atlanta could re-sign him to a DP deal if they wanted to, given how MLS re- free agency restrictions work. Nobody else in MLS can offer him a DP uh, salary, but you can get him on that sort of, Max Tam deal. So uh could be a, a very expensive piece, but would not be a designated player, which is useful because we don't have any of those spots. However, given that he is a free agent, he is also more than happy to go sign with anybody that'll take him in Europe come January. That does seem to be where his original intentions lied. However, uh, if you'll allow me to, to continue to rant here for a moment. Uh, to to sort of spell out the theory of the case for why Miles Robinson might make this move. Um, He's already shown that he can get U.S. Men's National Team call-ups while playing in Major League Soccer. Uh, FC Cincinnati has, as we all know, some fantastic training grounds, a very nice stadium that plays on natural grass, something that Atlanta does not do. A coaching staff uh, that is very familiar with the U.S. Men's National Team setup with Noonan and, for the moment, Kenny Arena there, and uh, would be potentially playing with teammates such as Matt Miazga and Brandon Vasquez, again, for the time being, potentially, maybe, sort of. Uh, There's a lot of reasons why he would do that. The other piece of it is, too, we say, like, in the abstract, go to Europe. Uh, In a lot of people's minds, that means like sign for a London Premier League team or Bayern or PSG. But that could just as easily be a, you know, a mid-table Netherlands team. And they can't usually pay about as much as a max TAM salary. So all of a sudden, the salary competition is a little tighter than you would have originally suspected. You throw all that together. There's a decent case for Miles Robinson to come sign here in Cincinnati. But I, mean, I don't al- know. I mean,
1: also, yeah. he's one of Greg's people. Yeah. Like, he's one of Burhalter. Burhalter has already called him into the national team. He called him into the national team when he was with Atlanta United. I think there is a, if you're not one of Greg's people or you haven't already made your national team debut, sometimes you need to go to Europe to get attention. Mm-hmm. If you're already getting attention and Burhalter, Burhalter, you know, I don't want to get on a Burhalter rant. This isn't a Burhalter episode, but suffice it to say, Greg has his guys and he's yeah. got guys that he likes. He's got players that are part of his system that he's bought in on. Miles Robinson's already been bought. He's already bought in on Miles Robinson. Miles doesn't need to make the move to Europe to get the attention and get on the national team radar. He's fine where he is. He doesn't need to make that consideration. My question is to both of you Assuming FC Cincinnati has the ability to pull this off, that Miles is like, Yes, I would like to sign here. You are my first choice in free agency. I want to be a Max Tam player. What do we think, or does anyone have a problem with the idea then that FC Cincinnati will have two Max Tam players both on the back line playing center back? Are we overcommitting? resources to the back line in that situation in this situation
3: my arguments no but grayson do you have a different thought uh my arguments also
2: also no um i'm not i'm not too concerned about having two max tam players on the back line if albright's not concerned about it um
3: fair So And, you know, I think about
2: what our team would look like with Miles Robinson and Matt Miazga. (laughs) Um,
1: Miles Robinson, Matt Miazga, and Obina Wobodo. I mean, (laughs) that's a lockdown defense. You almost play park the bus as your first strategy choice at that point. That's
0: that's a defense that could potentially just be a two-man back line as well. Uh, Right now, there's a lot of covering... For guys, uh, I don't know, inability to be left on isolation like that. Miazga is just about the only guy we'd trust there. mosquera could have been that guy, but one, he he's no longer here. And he's also two, like a
1: toddler. Like he's yeah, 12 years old.
0: He's- he had a he had a habit of running, running forward. And I, I imagine he was given that freedom and that permission. But Robinson's a guy you could put in a two-man back line and and trust to have that discipline to hold down his spot. Um And yeah, especially given where the other money is, right? So two DP midfielders, a DP striker. Yeah, like center back is exactly where you should be dumping a lot of money there, especially given how we'll see new salary numbers, but I'm assuming Roman isn't suddenly one of the best paid goalkeepers in the league. Um, And we've had a lot of money on this team tied up in backup strikers, backup midfielders. What you're doing in this case is, in theory, if you want to like take last year's roster and move around contracts, you give Yuya Kubo's contract last year to Miles Robinson and you give Mosquera's contract to Yuya Kubo, fine. Great. <laughs> like, that's fine. That team just
2: got better, I think,
0: and the yeah. salary's in the right spots. So,
2: And I think Miles Robinson, at least with... The national team has played on the left side, um, yeah. of the of the center back pairing with uh, with I think usually Walker Zimmerman. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he's comfortable playing on the left, you know that's that is your Mascara replacement, right?
3: Yeah, and I think I think I think slotting in Robinson for Mascara
2: today is an upgrade yeah assuming assuming robinson comes back healthy
3: that is
0: the sort of tricky part of this is he is coming back from a pretty devastating injury he is it fair to say he has a little bit of an injury bug as well in his history i feel like he is generally dealing with something uh although yeah, he, he does have a bit young. of an injury
2: history but he was playing you know in Atlanta.
0: Right, where he was, everybody...
1: of, he was injured for most of 2022,
2: right? Yeah, missed. He got injured, the injured right before. Season. Yeah, he got, didn't. He get injured like right before the World Cup in 22,
0: and then Good he more. missed
2: most of 23 because he got injured again.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which again, probably real excited about not playing on turf <laughs> if
3: yeah. you can help it
0: <laughs> in the near future, right? Um, here's a potential downside. Uh, copa america and other u.s men's national team call-ups if he is as good as advertised that means he's probably not available uh for us and mls oh man uh, as far as we know
1: miazga and miles robinson both out i mean it sucks well well, um, yeah, (laughs) burr halter's back miazga's not going anywhere (laughs) it's true (laughs) he might have to storm (laughs) his way back onto the field but (laughs) Yeah. yeah all right that would be that would be bad although maybe i mean shit if you sign Miles Robinson and there's a lockdown defense in Cincinnati with a pairing of Miazga and Miles Robinson if you're Greg Burhalter don't you look at that and just think i mean i could just import that wholesale to the national team if it's working in MLS
0: it i understand like a lot of qsm in are you know always upset when an american doesn't immediately go abroad to you know a third division german side or whatever but In the abstract, as a fan of the U.S. Men's National Team, I am psyched as hell at the idea that we would have two potential national team talents playing together for the same club team. Like, that is... What well, a lot the chemistry. Of national teams want. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: That's why. That's why the German team's always so good. Half the roster is on Bayern Munich, and they're playing together every week.
0: And the other half plays for Dortmund, and half the Spanish squad plays for Real Madrid, and the other half plays for Barcelona. Right? Like it. It pans out a lot of times when you can do that.
1: Have we talked? Have we talked in this show ever uh, at all about how fucking insufferable U.S. Men's National Team Twitter <sighs> is? Whenever a an American is looking at signing with MLS, there is inevitably in the first response, some asshole that has like an American flag as part of his name with something like USMNT American flag takes or USMNT American flag a battle some right. horse shit like this they're all like a member of some shitty ao chapter and they've got a blue check mark they paid fucking elon for and they are mad as hell in the replies that this person would ever hold themselves back by going to mls and this is why the national team shut up i hate these people i hate them they are they're the same pro-rail truthers that are are in the replies i'll yes. never watch mls because it's not based on sporting merit and the games don't mean anything and they don't play hard and i would rather be you know him go to like you know dorchen Machen, globin third division <laughs> bundesliga three because that's where it the, it means something it's like the sec it just means more over right. there and these players will develop <laughs> because of the sheer force of it means more over in europe and i just it's the worst aspects of american soccer and i feel bad for players like miles robinson because like look if somebody mentions lebron james online and a narrative starts about lebron james lebron's got like 50 million followers he has to go looking for his mentions to find out when people are mad at him right soccer is still small enough that like i'll bet miles robinson knows that he's having shit talked about him online for choosing to stay in the united states and that sucks it sucks, like, it sucks that an American who has the audacity to say, I would like to live in the country I was born in. I would like to, to be a citizen and a resident of my home country. I would like to play my sport in my home country. I would like to help grow the game in my home country. And I want to represent my own home country on the highest stage of international competition. And these dickbag fans online are, you're selling out and you're selling out America By not going and challenging yourself in the fifth division of the of the Norwegian Premier League or wherever the hell they want them to go.
0: Yeah, it's also just like an inability to recognize like where we are in 2023 in world football, which is MLS is undoubtedly a top 10 league in the world and offering huge salaries for the high end American talent in the U.S. Like, there, MLS is, in a lot of ways, an equal, if not way more attractive destination for these guys than mid-table Portuguese clubs, mid-table anywhere in Europe outside of potentially Italy, Spain, and England. I I mean, even Germany is a stretch, I think, at this point with some of these clubs. And then, yeah, you throw in Belgium, Netherlands, Denmark, the Scandinavian countries, Scotland. Um, It's not great there. (laughs) Like, it's not good football outside of the one or two super clubs that you know. And these guys aren't getting paid that much there. I don't know.
2: Yeah, so, like, PSV, I think, is the club that was linked uh, most most directly with uh, with Miles Robinson. And, you know, um, something I don't think people like fully appreciate is Miles Robinson is going to be 27 next season. Matt Miazga was 27 when he came back to MLS.
3: Hmm. OK, this this
2: guy's not a young prospect anymore. Okay, so he's he goes to PSV. Probably takes less money based on what PSV pays. you know. Uproots his life
1: to do it. He's never lived in Europe before.
2: So he goes to PSV, uproots his whole life, goes to an entirely new country, new system, new league, doesn't speak the language, um, takes a pay cut, is going to have to probably if if, if, he's going to have to probably hope that he's able to break into the team immediately quickly. and shine in that league mm-hmm. because the premier league is not going to become calling to some 29 year old who's only just started, started, you know, playing full nineties for PSV. Right. Right. Like his, his window for, for parlaying that PS, look PSV is a massive club. Right. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Largely, yeah. largely by, largely though, these days, driven by their ability to find young players and move them on at large profits to bigger clubs like PSV. They're in a great spot in the in the in the uh, air divisi right now. Um, we've had there's great opportunities for some Americans who are really shining yeah. in that league at the moment. And, you know, PSV would run away with MLS. Yeah, like there's no doubt yes. in my mind. Right. But we're talking about not we're not talking about like. An abstract issue here, you know, we're talking about uh, Miles Robinson's specific. Circumstance. Right. And, you know, maybe he does. Maybe he does decide that he wants to he wants to try his hand with PSV in Europe and just really wants to give himself the only chance he would ever have to like maybe parlay into the premier league or the bundesliga and play at that play at that level but it's not an obvious choice for somebody who is looking at i'm getting into like kind of the middle of my career and my earnings window. I need to be thinking about not just, you know, playing for the best team. I need to be thinking about, you know, how am I going to maximize the value of my career? And it's very possible for a guy like Miles Robinson, who, because Atlanta was not willing to part with him, didn't get that chance to go to Europe at 22. um, It's very possible that what he decides makes the most sense for him is to sign a very, very generous Max TAM contract with the team at MLS. And if, he's, if you're looking at signing with MLS teams who are all capped at what they're able to pay an MLS American player, I think FC Cincinnati has to be seen as a competitive team for American talent at the TAM level with anybody else in the league, yeah, and I do wonder, you know, when he saw his name on the side of TQL Stadium, when he saw himself on the on the scoreboard, presumably, and he was visiting the the, w- w- was he thinking back to that two zero, uh, game that he started and played almost the full game of in TQL Stadium against Mexico in World <laughs> Cup qualifying in <laughs> November twenty twenty one, which was like the best. Uh, best atmosphere that, wasn't that his first anybody time in the training. Have,
1: wasn't his first time in the training facility either.
2: Yeah, you know, is, is the best atmosphere that the national team had played um, the entire World Cup qualifying, or was maybe he thinking about that game against Canada that he that he played in TQL mm-hmm. Stadium, uh, hearing the fans go crazy when Brandon Vasquez. Uh, was warming up and getting ready to come on chanting off. we want brandon the entire <laughs> game <laughs> and you know is he thinking you know am i going i'm going to make 1.6 million dollars a year and and get supported and
3: celebrated in a way that yeah you'll get
2: at other teams but not every other team
0: right right not every other team and as you said uh, an immediate competitor you're immediately in Champions League you are a favorite to win the title next year or right up there I think a, the last, among the favorites yeah yeah the yeah. last chart I saw put us at I think fourth or fifth favorites to win MLS Cup next year uh, the Supporter Shield winning team and coaching staff that is very capable and already well proven at coaching defenses and, and getting the most out of defenders yeah And like this argument makes a lot of sense.
1: And also, too, it's like if he goes over to someplace like PSV and it doesn't work. It can only hurt his status with the national team if he is out of the rotation, if he's not getting regular minutes, his status with the national team is locked on right now in MLS. If that's his primary concern is that he wants to play in a World Cup on American soil Keep doing what you're doing. You don't need to go out there and take a risk going someplace where you are not guaranteed the type of minutes and the type of, of you know, play time that you would get as a Max Tam player in MLS. You would have to fight for your spot at a club like PSV. And there would always be someone right up behind you. And that's the whole mythos of the, oh, why is Europe better? Because you're always fending someone off for your spot. Yeah, well, sometimes that doesn't work out. And not always because they're the better player. It can be because of bad injury luck. You have bad injury luck at PSV. Someone else has your spot. You get injured in MLS. You're still a Max Tam player when you come back. You're getting your fucking spot back. Like, that's just a reality of how this league works with a salary cap.
2: There are guys, there are guys definitely who, you know, you would take them as a starter with the national team, even if they're not getting regular minutes over the next man up for sure. But the center back position is pretty crowded.
0: It's very deep. If,
2: if he starts, like, if, if, if any of these guys start missing time uh, or they go to a situation where they're not playing regularly, it's really hard to look at, you know, let's say Miles Robinson at PSV is sitting on the bench. It's really hard to look at him and say, yeah, I'm going to start you over Chris Richards, right? who's getting regular minutes with Crystal Palace. Right. right. Or You Tim know?
0: Rehm, or even a Walker Zimmerman. Or even Walker Zimmerman. Zimmerman. Yeah. Day in and day out. Yep.
1: And I just, I just, I want this notion to go away that if you are an American soccer player and you don't want to pick your life up and move to Europe, not speaking the language, not having any exposure to the culture that somehow makes you a bad person. How many people of these fat basement dwelling slobs online would pick up and move to Europe tomorrow? knowing nothing about where they were going to just because, oh, you know, that's the way you advance your career. None of these people have the balls to do that. None of these people have the gumption to just up and move to Norway or Denmark or someplace where they have never been before just because, oh, that's what you're supposed to do in your career. Like what they are projecting onto these American players sucks. And you know what? As someone who does root for the national team, I think it would be rad if more of these guys played together like we were talking about on clubs like Cincinnati or on clubs like LAFC or whatever, that we had a national team contingent that was over here in the States playing together on a regular basis. And when they need to come together to do training, we don't have to ask questions like, oh, should we have our training center based in Europe? Because that's where all our best players play. That's dumb. That shouldn't be the long term goal for American soccer. It just shouldn't.
2: Right, right. That. And I want you know, I want Americans playing. I live. I love that that Christian is scoring all these goals from Milan. Um, I want to see yeah. Americans playing for these top, top, top teams. But you know, when PFOC was scoring a bunch of goals at Young Boys, that didn't do anything for me. No, I mean, it, like it's, it's not. Yeah, I liked that he was scoring goals, but like that wasn't any more impressive. It was less impressive, frankly, to me than. Brandon Vasquez back in 18 in MLS.
0: Well, we saw it with Yuya Kubo's own career. You can take a prolific young boy striker, drop them in MLS, and turns out, they're a maybe average defensive midfielder.
1: <laughs> or a golden boot winner. We're going to find out this year. Who knows? Like nice.
0: Either <laughs> either one is a possibility. Um, yeah, uh, pointed this out online. I'll point it out again here. Uh, uh, an individual by the name of Gerard Nykamp currently has an Eredivisie club at seventh in their table right now. So please don't tell me how much greater the competition is in the Netherlands versus day in and day out in mls um yeah also like
1: but could he do it on a rainy day in charlotte the answer is absolutely not (laughs) right
0: right no he could not um but no the copa america will be here in the u.s the world cup will be here in the u.s at a certain point there is value to already be playing having you know your playing time in the u.s already it's a, a smoother transition and hey uh, not for nothing, you take the age out of the equation. Very similar arguments for one Alvaro Barrial. So I know the club would benefit quite a bit from selling him, but a lot of these things also apply to Barrial. We've seen Argentinian guys get national team call exclusively for their MLS form and their MLS contributions. But, but the, so, age
1: does, the, the age does matter in this argument, where Barrial yes, is the does. age where he can make that move
2: but and he's
1: in his window. If he doesn't do it now, he's yeah. committing pretty much long-term to being an MLS lifer. If he doesn't make the move right now.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Barrios is looking at Barrios in a position where he can see, you know, two, three steps up. Right. You know, whereas Robinson. You would have to be, quick. man, you have to have, to you have to be have, to have a real quick. And that's hard uh, for a center back. Jump.
1: If you're not, if you're not a goal scorer and you're not an attacker, it's really hard to flash. It just is.
0: Especially when the move is presumably right now, you'd be joining mid season. So if you're joining a good team, they probably have three really good center backs already. So
2: the other yeah, and the other thing you think about with, with Robinson is the the type of Premier League team he would be joining in a couple of years is gonna be a team that's gonna be doing a lot of defending. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that they're going to be looking at somebody who's playing on PSV. And they're just running over the entire league. And they're holding the ball the whole time and he's not being tested, really. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know if that's the profile that you're looking for if you're Brentford. Yeah. And you're fighting for your life every game. (laughs) Right. You
0: you want that center back that is saving the bottom of the end table you know, team that my God, this center back is single handedly keeping this team alive. That was that was Obinna
2: Woboto. Exactly. Exactly where I was
0: going. That was the argument for bringing in Obi.
2: And the thing with MLS is like. Basically, all of the teams still do a lot of defending. Yeah. Like even the teams at the top of the table, they're still they still they still have to do a lot of defending.
0: The salary disparity, even on bad teams, is so heavily favoring attackers that the teams are all the teams in the league are top heavy, and you have better attackers facing off against worse defenders.
1: It really does make an argument for MLS center backs and MLS defenders being an undervalued asset in the international market. Because, like, if you are an incredible, if you put up an incredible defense in MLS, like if you're a Matt Miazga or Yerson Mascara, and like Yerson Mascara was able to put this defense to play in this defense, where he has Matt Miazga, a Chelsea watch out next to him, and Ian Murphy, just some dude that was available in the super draft, that makes you a superstar if you're able to play right. under those conditions.
0: Right, like a lot of MLS teams have a. I'll, I'll, leave a, I'll, I'll be charitable and say a bottom end of the Premier League table attack. Like Tiago Almada is playing for Atlanta, could easily walk into a lot of Premier League teams starting lineups. Um, that's what all these guys are facing every single day. You know, Polish and Hungarian international strikers every single week. Like
2: Miguel Almirón, like, right. M- like MLS defenders had to play Martinez and Almirón. you know, right. all the time. <laughs> uh, even San Jose has like a Christian Espinosa, right? Um, right. Dallas, this- you know, has, has some, some really good attackers, uh, yeah. Charlotte, you know, got for... <laughs> yeah right. you get, Nick Hagelin was was man guarding no, no. Benteke <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny that like yeah like all of these teams are able to put together like really strong attacking you know talent uh against these defenders and yeah like every year if I was in the Premier League I'd be looking at like who was the best MLS defense who's the best defender on that team like I don't know. They can't be that expensive, right? I know Seattle and, and Orlando had really solid defenses this year. Kick the tires on one of those. Yeah, but like, if, you were, like, if you were
1: some team in if you were some team in like the championship, you wouldn't toss FC Cincinnati a two million dollar offer for Ian Murphy. Or like if you were at the lower level of the Premier League, like yeah. this guy, this guy held his own against guys that are pretty good strikers. Like a flyer for a million bucks, why not?
0: Right, you're spending so much ta- more
2: take it <laughs>
0: right? oh my god he'd beg them to take ian murphy for two million dollars. Yeah.
1: Like carl linder would drive him to the airport in his bentley like that <laughs>
0: we could we could go turn that two million dollars into an mls all-star in a trade somewhere else like that is how much you know of a difference that much money would make to a, an mls side like that um oh, there we are uh Do we have anything else on? Oh, my God. (laughs) We've got so much more. Um, I'm going to go next in terms of bringing in talent, acquiring talent. And since we brought up Ian Murphy, the MLS Super Draft presented by Audi, discussed by the postcast, is coming up on Tuesday. Uh, For most people listening to this tomorrow, um, FC Cincinnati picks. Do we have the dead last pick? I actually did not look it up to see. I don't care. Well, I think but, we're dead last because of the portion standing. Um
1: I can cut this conversation real short. I don't give a fuck. Like
2: Oh no, be- we don't. Crew has the last pick, then LFC, then us. Okay, so they're going
1: in
0: MLS cup sta- standings, yeah. then. which
1: is which is a problem anyway. But no, I don't care. Like I'm sure we'll yeah. take someone and I'm sure that there will be pundits that will hate the pick that have never watched this person play <laughs> and person that lo- like do you remember we were gonna try and make ourselves out and as an expert and just sort of pump somebody's tires that was playing in like Division 3 Just right. to see if we could get somebody drafted. We gotta put a pin in that and come back to next year and do that.
2: Yes. Is there a generation of Jesus class even announced yet? Announced? I don't know if they've
0: already announced like um like if individual players have said anything. But uh yeah, I, uh, I'm i glancing at this eligible players list and nobody has Generation Adidas written next to them, though I don't know if they would at this point. Long story short, you really just want a Generation Adidas player. There's usually like anywhere from 8 to 15 GA players available. For one given draft, uh, they go pretty early because they tend to be one the best players in the draft, and two on really good contracts. If you do end up getting one of those good players, um, so we're probably not getting a GA player. Uh, never say never. Uh some guys slip down there, but um other than that, yeah, just hope for the best. I don't know. I don't watch college soccer. I uh I just assume Albright is gonna do a, a good job here because. Between Ian Murphy and uh, Roman Salentano, we've been pretty good at the draft. So let's do it again, baby.
1: <laughs> Run it back. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't. Anyone that says they're an expert in the MLS Super Draft is lying to you. So don't believe them. There's just and so much. Yeah. And most of these games aren't televised. So you're like combing through YouTube for highlights. And you're a total sicko if you're watching all of them and focusing on like one player. So, Right. Let me know when we draft them. I'll back them to the end. And hopefully we end up with one person who can help make FCC two less of a dumpster fire.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I think I think, Kevin, you got a little bit of a bad rap on the on the whole super draft thing. I do. The way that I understood your point wasn't that that there's wasn't that there's no value to be had in the super draft. Correct. There are good players. (laughs) It's that spending any time trying to learn all about these players before the draft and sorting out who might be good on a specific player level and who won't be and like how they profile and what they're going to do. Right. That's a total fool's errand. Yeah. Nobody's good at it. At least, at least that I've seen, like, right. We saw, you know, all the MLS pundits slamming us over getting Celentano and Murphy instead of Keller. And now, right. look, we got Keller, too. So but <laughs> jokes on them. <laughs> jokes on them. <laughs> but like, you know, it's just a lot of these. If you go back through Generation Adidas. Most of these guys flame out. Yeah. Like a good point. Maybe, maybe not most, but like most of them don't become stars. Uh, right. The ones that do stick around the league tend to just be role players. And a lot of them are in USL in three years. Yeah. Or out of soccer. Yeah. And
0: most of the good examples are from years ago. You go, oh, Darlington Nagby was drafted. It's like, yeah, in like 2003 or whatever. Yeah, but <laughs> like,
2: like but like Jack Elliott was a fourth round pick, I think. Right. And they don't even have four rounds anymore in the MLS Super Draft. No. And it's not like if, if Philly knew that they were getting Jack Elliott the player that Jack Elliott is today,
0: you draft him. first. They would have drafted
2: him in the second round or first <laughs> right, round. Right. You know, they weren't like waiting around <laughs> in the fourth round. Like, Oh, this guy's going to be an MLS best 11 level defender, but right. nobody else knows this. So we're <laughs> going to wait until the fourth <laughs> round. Right. Draft us him.
1: Because we right. Pass right. On it's like, Oh yeah, no, we definitely knew Brock Purdy was going to win MVP right. this year. That's why we waited for the seven, the last pick of the draft to take him.
2: Right. right. I mean, that's it's what you get, what you get in the fourth round of the draft is luck. Right. Right. And honestly, what you get in the first round of the draft is luck. Right. And the reason I was high on the Roman Celentano pick initially is I went back through the Generation Adidas list and I saw, you know what? It looks like the most accurate position <laughs> that they are is with goalkeeper because the vast majority of these guys, uh, if they're not kicking field goals in the NFL, <laughs> have become at least like regular starters at some point in their careers.
0: Right. Which is and, all you can ask for at this point yeah. with with the draft,
2: right? And you you look at, you look at who. It, it just felt like the the goalkeeper had the biggest hit rate, yeah. Of like useful MLS level player, right? Whether like a backup or a really great player, like you know Andre Blake, or Brad Guzan. I think it was also Generation Adidas, yeah, um, or just. You know, like a Zach McMath type who's been who's been fine over the years um mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't know i mean they're yeah. they're gonna draft somebody and you know what i'm gonna love it
0: yeah, that'll be our our guy to the to the ends of the earth yeah right. i and
1: if uh, it's if it's not a striker, we revolt
0: <laughs> there we go, yeah, do we have any uh we'll we'll in honor of my Kip Keller, I will literally die if we do not draft him. Do we want a a hard line? I'm not saying you have to kill yourself if this doesn't happen, but is there is there a hard demand you have out of the draft, Chief? I'll take your uh, we have to draft a striker. Or you'll be pissed. I think a that's striker. a good one. We need
1: depth at the striker position. This team is ruined if we don't get striker depth in the super draft.
0: I like it, Grayson. Do you have a uh, a demand to make of Crystal um,
2: Yeah, my demand is a left winger. With the idea that that player will be converted to a left wing back. I like that. I think that that's where you find. I think that that may be an angle that this team could have is getting talented young wingers (laughs) with the idea that, okay, you were like the best winger at like the college or the next pro or academy level. You're a wing back in MLS. You know, it's like you draft, you draft like a, You draft like a top college shortstop and hope he's a moderately competent first baseman at the the Major League Baseball (laughs) level. Right, (laughs) exactly, exactly.
0: Uh, Here's one for you. I will make the demand that we draft an international player. So here's my thought. One, we don't use any international slots, so might as well use one here. Uh, Then two, I think... In general, the best soccer talent, young soccer talent in this country is in a lot of different academies. And I think a lot of them are in MLS academies. I think that's where MLS teams are dedicating a lot of their young scouting talent. Uh, and that's where they're, they're putting it into feeding in their academies. And that basically only works with domestic players because they have to live either in your region or you're scouting other domestic Uh, academies to then recruit that player to your academy but the international player who comes from Germany to play college soccer because getting an American degree makes a lot of sense not on a lot of people's radars in terms of the academy shows well in college soccer I think that's a good draftable prospect. I I might be talking myself into Calvin Harris, um, so uh, but that's not a demand. Go get an international player; that would be good
1: striker or we revolt.
0: Good international striker that we convert their position. I, yeah, that's Calvin Harris, guys. I think we just we're making the argument to draft Damn. Calvin Harris. <laughs> He's fine. He did yeah. that that stare down uh, to Newton during the Chivas friendly, so that was good. I like that. I like that. Um, Is there anything else for FC? Oh my God, there's one big one we got to talk about the FC Cincinnati. The CONCACAF Champions Cup draw was this past week and we have an opponent. We might even have a window for dates to be playing, but FC Cincinnati was drawn in uh, to the CONCACAF Champions Cup, not the Champions League. They've rebranded. It is entirely a knockout Tournament. There is no group stages, which is I think. I still days- think. I
2: think we've talked about this. I still think we should call it Champions League. I agree I'm good with you.
0: All right, I'm in. I'm in Champions League. We're there. they I refuse to, I to on, let.
3: The-
1: good. Their handle on Twitter is the Champions. I mean, they've already stolen the song from the
2: Champions League. <laughs> the only lyric. I, I refuse to let there be a Champions Cup and a Campione's Cup.
0: Yeah. And a Carolina Challenge Cup. Yeah. Too confusing. Champions And you know,
2: League. the Civilian Conservation Corps was already CCC, but also CCC makes me think CCCP, which is commies. Un-American. Right. Un-American. Um so,
0: all right, Champions League it is. Well, we are there and FC Cincinnati drew Present Cavalier. sponsored
1: by Toyota uh, Bank as covered by the
2: postcast
0: yes <laughs> nope. and Scotiabank. bank Scotiabank.
1: Scotiabank.
2: bank scotia bank yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, not, only re- not, the, I've only-
2: not dublin scioto bank i've only
1: <laughs> i've only read it i've never actually been there
0: uh when i watch uh league mx they go so bank so maybe that um no we we drew cavalier uh jamaican team uh what's great is Everything online says that their club name is Cavalier Football Club, Cavalier Football Club, Cavalier Football Club. Their crest, Cavalier Soccer Club. (laughs) 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 I don't know. Um, So that's great. Uh, They look to play in a 3,000 person stadium. Uh, I think we should
2: call it. Never mind. Never mind. Keep going.
0: Well, The the stadium is literally built into uh, and then therefore next to another stadium that holds 10,000 people. I just really love that. They're just two circles right next to each other. They probably share some facilities, but one's got stands and the other one really doesn't. Is there like
1: a better team that plays in the bigger stadium and they're just like the little brother?
2: Isn't it so, like a, it's like the Jamaican national team stadium, isn't it? It's the
0: Jamaican national team they stadium.
1: They don't play all the time. Can't they let Cavalier play in the nice stadium? You would padlock the fucking thing when Jamaica's <laughs> national team is playing?
0: I uh I have to double check. I think the nicer one also has the track around it. Like I think it is the national. All those stadium.
1: stadiums in Concacaf Cap have the track around it. Like that's, that's like good. a it's a defining feature of Concacaf. Cap, is there's a running track around the stadium, and they have people in riot shields on the corner kicks to stop piss bottles from being thrown at people.
0: It's it's what makes this region so great. Yeah. Um I really like their Wikipedia article because it says, uh, the club is known for producing top quality youth teams and has won over 40 domestic titles. Um, I'm pretty sure that those 40 domestic titles are for the youth team. They've only ever won two senior national titles, one in, uh, the eighties and then one in 2021, which is probably how they found their way somehow qualifying all the way to this version of the champions league. Um, a quick I mean, glance at any, their roster. Anything
1: can be a domestic title. They could have like a two-person tournament with like some other team <laughs> in Jamaica, and they can be claiming That's title true. after title.
0: That's true. Well, it's also, yeah, to that point, kind of embarrassing that they've only won two. So, um, so, yeah, I don't know. I I did a quick glance at their roster as it's constructed at the moment. I didn't see anybody that we would know or have any MLS connections. I'm sure there's somebody that I missed, but uh, a couple of guys have got caps for the Jamaican national team. That seems to be about it. Almost exclusively Jamaicans on their team. They only had two international players. Um, Yeah, and according to uh, Jeff over at CST, uh, they're the worst team in the competition. So that's good that's probably the team you want to draw (laughs) usually when
1: usually when cavaliers play in a knockout style tournament they're losing to the worst team in the tournament not winning (laughs) the tournament
0: zing um yeah i don't know is there any thoughts on this this is nice this is cool this was fun
1: i mean i i feel good for the staff and players of fc cincinnati that of all the destinations they had as potential options i mean you're looking at them doing the ping pong ball thing online, switching their hand around, showing the empty hand like they're dealing at a blackjack table in Vegas. And you had to know that there were guys on the FC's roster that were like just anywhere but Hamilton or Calgary, Canada, or someplace <laughs> someplace further north in winter. And instead it's a trip to Jamaica. That's, you know, kind of keen, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. Um I will say. If you were uh, looking to go to an away game, Jamaica's fine, sure. I mean, it's really high murder rate and all that jazz. Um, But, yeah, I mean, fair point. Great bobsled
1: country. (laughs) Of course. Feel the rhythm, (laughs) feel the ride. Come on, Jamaica, it's bobsled time.
0: The best sport to bet on yourself to getting a... (laughs) Or in in the neighborhood of the best sport to be betting on yourself to get a gold medal. Um, Should FC Cincinnati move on beyond uh, Cavalier, as they're going to be very much expected to do so, their likely next opponent would be one Monterey from Liga MX. One of the most gorgeous stadiums in all of the world. So, I don't know. If you're budgeting for an away day, maybe look at Monterey. And hope we just get out of the, the first round because that would be a much nicer stadium. Should we get past Monterey, we would more than likely be playing the winner of Nashville and Inter-Miami. So have fun with that potential laying out of the bracket.
1: So as we sit here, how many empanadas do we need to sell or how many shirts <laughs> do we need to sell to get an all-expense paid <laughs> trip for the postcast crew to go to Jamaica in February? That's all I, I care about.
0: I think we just need to apply for credentials from CONCACAF and see if there isn't a, a travel stipend for international media.
1: I guarantee that there is someone at CONCACAF or at one of their sponsors that like they're desperate for people to care about this tournament. They're desperate. They've rebranded it. They want this to be on par. I think with you know they want it to be the domestic version of the Champions League over in Europe. It's never going to be that way. I feel like there has to be someone that we can con into saying. Oh, we have a huge influential reach in the Midwestern part of the United States. Please give us money and accommodations and access to go do live content from down at this match. So that has to exist out there, right?
0: There's only one way to find out, and that's to speculate on this podcast.
1: <laughs> How do these influencers do this? We're like all of a sudden they're being sent places and they get to make money. I want to be like that.
2: Uh, I don't sh- think Jamaica has a sufficiently terrible human rights record for them to for us to be able to qualify sure. for getting payments to go there. <laughs> I'm,
1: sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's something they want to paper over that we can help with.
2: Uh, I'm not going to speculate on what that might be. Yeah. Neither
1: am I, but I'm sure it's there. I'm good. <laughs> I, I'll say
2: this. Anybody from Jamaica, I'm interested in learning more about your policies and your vision for your country.
1: I would love to know more about where Jamaica sees itself as part of the global economy in the next 15 to 25 years or any odd projects that you want, you know, maybe to tell about the podcast wants, about.
2: If anybody wants to tell me about, like, some misconceptions people hold about Jamaica and, you know, the government of Jamaica or I don't know, companies in Jamaica, uh, the distribution of land in Jamaica, uh, anything that people have a message that they want to tell me that they think, you know, I think people think this, but actually the truth is different. I'm all ears. Talk you know, to us. Baby. You
1: know, you know, many people have said recently that Jamaica I've heard this around the Cincinnati area and the Midwest in general. I've heard many people are saying that Jamaica has some bottom tier beaches and that they would much rather go to other destinations Whoa. in the Caribbean in Central America and even here in the United States, so mm-hmm. I, I'm just I'm I don't you know unlike my father I don't make the news I just report the news. Um, I would be willing to go and I would be willing to disabuse my fellow countrymen and my fellow Midwesterners of that notion by maybe if I was shown what the beaches of Jamaica looked like and could rate and review them for an episode of Away Days, the hit series,
0: the hit series. I mean
1: the hit episode.
0: it does require probably two episodes to start calling it a series well
1: (laughs) no better place to start episode two than jamaica
2: and if they wanted you know pay money for dr cop to have an episode there on location that's on the table as well
0: dr Um, cop tries to get some time away and it's like roped that, into solving another
2: thing. <laughs> that's something that happens by the way. Like, f- countries will, like, pay TV shows to, like... Be there. Do an episode there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: That was the original show, uh, Hawaii 5 was it, was it was just because the producers wanted to con whatever network it was into paying for them to live on Hawaii to film television shows. So they pitched an entire TV show where the central premise was that it was set in Hawaii. (laughs) What a great scam.
0: It was similar to Adam Sandler's entire film career, which was, I just get all of my friends to go to Hawaii. I cast the most beautiful woman that could conceivably play my love interest. And we just knock out movie after movie with the same formula. Well done, well done. Well, if the, um, if
1: the Jamaican tourism industry or the Jamaican sports industry or any sort of industry in Jamaica is interested in educating the population of the United States about their fine country, or indeed if anyone at CONCACAF, you know, has mm-hmm. some extra money lying around in an apartment for one of their pets that they're looking at providing, um, it is up. the postcast. The DMs are open. <laughs> I, I would be willing on behalf of our wonderful sponsors. I would be willing to trade a couple of T-shirts from Cincy Shirts or maybe a nice box of frozen empanadas for all access pass to the Champions League, as well as airfare and hotel accommodations at a three and a half or four star or better hotel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just the offers on the table. All yeah. right.
1: So I have a Bonvoy account, and a SkyMiles account. We can make this happen.
0: Let's, let's roll, baby. Uh, is there anything else we want to touch on with CCC. The, are we, are we, gonna a, are we CCL. going to do a
1: CCL? Are we going to do a full <laughs> preview like we did for League's Cup ahead of CCL at some
0: point? Ye- Maybe not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how much money we get. Maybe not. <laughs> well, let's see. Half of the teams are from Major League Soccer, so that's immediately not fun. <sighs> um, but yeah. Other than that, there's an entire part of this where. Houston and St. Louis play each other. The winner gets Columbus Crew. It's just like, why, why? Yeah, it's like, what are we doing here? <laughs> That's so stupid. Anyway, uh, yeah. Speaking Take of them. speaking
1: of what we're do- what are we doing here with cup tournaments? <laughs>
0: Should we, should we move on over to part two where I've got some ranting to do. I'm sure other people have, have some feelings. Let's do it. Uh, We'll leave FC Cincinnati uh, here, although I'm sure they'll come up. Uh, And in part two, yeah, we're going to talk MLS's decision with the, uh, the Open Cup. So head on over there. This episode is also brought to you by Sensi Shirts. Look, you know Sensi Shirts. You love Sensi Shirts. They've been with FCC from the beginning, and we here at the Postcast, with we're just huge fans of their work. They were very early sponsors of the Postcast here, and we have. Always enjoyed their work. If you head on over to shirts.com that's scentsy with a Y, shirts.com, and check out using the promo code thepostsensey, all wood word, all caps, you will get 10% off your order and you let them know that we sent you. Like they have MLS and MLSPA licensed FCC gear available online and at their two retail locations in Hyde Park and Fort Mitchell. If they don't have your size on the shelf, they can print you one on the spot. That is a fantastic feature and something that I have used as well. So again, special thank you to Cincy Shirts. Head on over to their website or check the link down below in the description for the promo code, the ThePostCincy, for 10% off your next order. And a huge thank you to Cincy Shirts. All right, and we are back and... We're on to a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Um, the news came on Friday. The, the classic PR Friday news dump uh, trying to hide the, uh, the, the bad news late on a friday nobody else will be talking about it. Uh they also did it, I believe right at the filing deadline for teams that will be participating and entering the US Open Cup Major League Soccer announced that they would not be participating in the Open Cup. At least the first teams of the Major League Soccer teams will not be participating in the Open Cup. They will instead only send The MLS Next Pro teams to represent the Major League Soccer teams. Uh, This is a huge departure. MLS has been participating in the Open Cup for a good good long while now the open cup obviously started in 20 or no 20 1914 it was one of the longest running soccer tournaments consecutively held every single year until the pandemic of 2020 put it on hiatus for two years uh, which was massively disappointing to lose that record it is a piece of american soccer history that predates major league soccer it is one of the very few things that is relevant in 2023 that does predate Major League Soccer that they do not own uh or control and let's be real this is an FC Cincinnati podcast and this is the tournament that frankly made FC Cincinnati into the household name the undeniable uh lower division franchise that felt inevitable to join the Major League ranks um this was a team, a franchise that took this tournament seriously from the beginning, and I think was rewarded appropriately. It's a tournament that even this past year, I think all of our fans were incredibly disappointed to not win, especially given how close we came and the quality of soccer that was on display during those matches, uh, Alvaro Barriel's Puskas, uh, goal nominee. And then the Miami match that was an all time thriller. Uh, I'll say for me that this is unbelievably disappointing for, um, major league soccer. And I'll throw FC Cincinnati under the bus here. Although, Little Birdie has told us that FC Cincinnati voted against this measure. Uh, So take that for what you will. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Chief, thoughts on the latest development?
1: It just seems like an unforced error by MLS. And it, it seems that way from a number of perspectives. Number one being that if you were going to do this, There were any number of ways that you could have done this while maintaining the illusion that MLS is not pulling out of the Open Cup. It's not a secret. A lot of teams in MLS trot trot out reserve teams to play the early rounds of the Open Cup. And they had discussions at the league meetings, apparently, about expanding rosters for the Open Cup to let teams basically field a two-team without calling it a two-team. And you could have done that. And there could have just been this unofficial policy in MLS that we send the kids to go play in the Open Cup. And people would still bemoan that MLS doesn't take it seriously. But they've already been doing that for years anyway. And you could have at least preserved the tradition of this tournament, of this part of American history, of this part of American soccer lore. But instead, like this feels spiteful that we are announcing that we are doing something that we didn't need to announce we were doing just because we want to make it very clear that we don't care and we don't value this tournament. And also it's, it sucks that it's paired also with this idea of, Oh, we need to decrease fixture congestion. Our teams are too busy. You invented the league's (laughs) cup that causes the fixture congestion. Like you have invented your own problem and The solution is to take out the one that the tournament that you don't own that doesn't make you money directly Um, and all sorts of other little things, too, that like, oh, well, nobody cares about the Open Cup. The League's Cup is what generates the real excitement. Yeah, because my season ticket package forced me to buy League's Cup tickets. It came priced in with League's Cup tickets. And if I have tickets in my season ticket package, I'm going to go to the game because I paid for these. Unless I've got something else going on, I'm probably going to go to the game. If you packaged Open Cup tickets in, I would have gone to the Open Cup, too. But you didn't do that, and then you have the audacity to wonder, well, why is the attendance so much less for these Open Cup games? Well, because you forced me to buy extra tickets to them, and the games aren't scheduled ahead of time like they were with the League's Cup. So you're just there's so much of this, this whole thing where it's the League being disingenuous about its motivation, the League being... um It it just it sucks. I don't. It's just a stupid thing by MLS. And the one part of this conversation that bothered me a lot online is that a it it validated the position of a lot of the worst people on soccer Twitter about how MLS views the American soccer landscape, where it wants to be American soccer. It doesn't want American soccer to exist outside of MLS. Which, from a business standpoint, sure I get it. But as a fan of the sport, it's pretty shitty. And the other point that I want to make, too, before I turn this over to let Grayson have his piece, is that this also revealed one of the things I hate most about discourse about sports in America. And that's that there were people that were putting this at the feet of Don Garber and oh, saying I Garber out. A commissioner is a mouthpiece for ownership. Commissioners don't make decisions. Commissioners <laughs> report the decisions that owners make at owners meetings. and. If you are mad at a commissioner, if you're mad at Roger Goodell ever, or you were ever mad at Gary Bettman in the NHL, or you were ever mad at Don Garber, they are doing an incredibly effective job because they have redirected your anger away from their bosses, the billionaires that own these teams, and onto them. They are highly paid to be the public whipping boy for the general sports fans out there so that people don't have bad feelings. About these plutocrats that own teams, that they 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 put all the sins onto this one one person and, and attribute him as the the malfeasant actor or the, the person who is the tormentor. So if I see any more people blaming Don Garber for these things, I am just going to throw myself out a window. I'm just so sick of this because he's not the villain. The villain is the owners that are, are using this as an excuse to back their cash grab with the Leagues Cup at the expense of American soccer history.
2: Yeah, I mean, if, if the owners thought Don Garber was doing a bad job, um, it, they would just simply not make him commissioner anymore. <laughs> right, right.
0: <laughs> if you so, want to get a sense real quick of how well Don Garber is doing, when uh, uh, Roger Goodell's contract was approaching an end date a couple of years ago, without uh, a new deal on the table, MLS proactively gave Don Garver don garber a pretty good contract extension to keep him from going to the nfl to be their commissioner because back to the nfl back to the nfl because he is the most likely successor to roger goodell just like he's very well regarded in ownership circles is what i'm trying to say sorry Grayson, your your thoughts on on this matter
2: yeah i mean i think i think i think chief nailed it on the head, the real story here is that this is a despite what anybody else might say, what other excuses they have for leaving US US Open Cup. This is an issue of MLS wanting to control all aspects of professional soccer in the United States. Um, MLS Next Pro is part of that. Uh, this Leagues Cup thing is part of it. Um, getting as much uh, soccer that people are going to watch under the Apple deal um, versus, you know, having the the CBS rights with U.S. Open Cup. Um, and if you are backing. If you're backing ML and man, there's a lot of the a lot of the people from outlets around the league that I've like, if have like you know i've seen a lot of people that do like fan media for other teams like really dunking on the open cup or yeah talking about how like you know nobody really cares about it and it's all performative and it's good that mls is leaving it like that's that's insane yeah. like that's just insane and it's cuz it's the the this is really about do we care about Soccer becoming a a, you know, broadly popular sport domestically in the U.S. And I mean, like the growth of domestic soccer. Yeah. Or do we think that it is fine and good that MLS become the complete controller of domestic soccer in the United States? Because that's where that's where this move, that's what this move supports, because you can talk about like. Bad fields and stuff, but there's worse fields in Champions League, there's bad fields in Major League Soccer, (laughs) going to be going to one when we play Jamaica. (laughs) Well, no, but I mean, like there's bad fields in the league. Yeah. New York City FC. We have New York City FC playing on a baseball field. You have a bunch of these teams that playing playing on terrible turf that is causing serious injury to players. And there's no chance. And in fact, I think there was, I think they said that Atlanta is going to have temporary turf for Copa America, but they're not going to have it for major league soccer. Wow.
0: Priorities. Um,
2: you want to talk about like rotation people rotated for leagues cup. Yeah. You know, you talk about attendance. A lot of those leagues cup games were poorly attended. Hmm. Like the game that wasn't in our that wasn't in our ticket package was like eighteen thousand. The game we had against Pittsburgh was like sixteen thousand. Yep. Um, but if you watched any of these, a lot of those other leagues cup games, uh, not everybody included them in their season ticket package. That showed.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, and then, uh, a lot of teams just didn't have. Good attendance throughout that tournament generally. Um, on the other hand, St. Louis was selling out Open Cup. You know, we got some really high quality of play from Open Cup. Our semifinal game, uh, you mentioned it, the Bareal Puskas, um, which if po- folks didn't see it, it was not one of the three finalists, but it was a nominee. Yep. And so that was, and that was the only one from MLS play from an MLS player this year. So if not for the open cup, MLS would not have had a player get nominated for a Puskas, you know, Um, we wouldn't have had the, the, the games that we've had in um, open cup when we were in USL, when we had that run where we hosted Columbus, Chicago, and New York Red Bulls, Mm. all three of those games were incredible atmospheres. Yeah. Just awesome experiences. And I'm really glad that I got to go to those games. I'm glad I got to go to US Open C- Cup Games uh this year. I think I went to I think I went to all of the was the New York Red Bulls game it was at in home? New York. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I was I was on vacation when that game happened. So I think I went to every home open cup game that we had this year.
3: Yeah. I
1: think the open you cup know? is we've That's where we hang out. We that's that's the game where we all buy tickets together. We actually like we join forces to go to these games. That Open Cup game where we all got like lit up in the all you can drink (laughs) section. That was a great memory. There's so many great memories.
2: Detroit City. Oh yes. It's you know people say like, well, if you care about Open Cup so much, go to the games. I do. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I do go to the games. Um, you know and. And, you know, you talk about uh, MLS not getting as much money from these games because they're shared with U.S. soccer and all that crap. First of all, that's none of my business.
0: Right. I, I don't, don't give I, a
2: shit. Yeah. I'm not. A, how they I'm split not a this money. I don't care how they do it. If you root for, you know, MLS getting the most, uh, the highest share of the soccer market, to the detriment of everybody else. I mean, I don't care about U S soccer either, but like, I think it's a little weird that you're like, I want MLS to leave open cup because MLS teams don't make enough money from it. (laughs) That's so fucking weird, man. Like I want less soccer. I want less soccer. I I don't want to watch my team that much. So they can
1: make more money. I would rather have less games.
2: Open cup is basically the only thing going. That that shows that that there is a broad ecosystem of soccer at multiple levels in the United States, and it forces MLS to be a part of that. Yeah. And I think it's fine that MLS make a little less money on those games as a as a share of goodwill to growing the sport generally. Giving opportunities to lower-level teams, uh, exposing more people to MLS to professional soccer, um, having people in towns with USL teams that maybe get to host some of these uh, MLS teams. They may say, "Well, you know, I never, I never went to our game in Chattanooga or Birmingham. Birmingham, when they hosted Miami, had a had a pretty big crowd. Yeah, you it was know,
1: thousand." Um. And I would love to to get drawn to play Louisville away just because I'd like to go down the excuse to go down and see their stadium.
2: Right. And, you know, like we spend a lot of money. On these MLS teams. And we're not seeing any of that back. Right. Right. And I think we we pay more. You want to talk about quality of the product? We pay more for tickets to um, Major League Soccer games then the quality of the product supports. If you look at the, at the level of ticket prices, um, in major league soccer versus yeah. other, other leagues that are, that are higher quality soccer. Yeah. And I'm happy to pay these ticket prices, um, for the most part, because I believe in American soccer. I mean, a a huge part of it is having my local team and getting to support a local team. Yep. But part of it is also, I believe, in the growth of the sport in the U.S. And I'm fine paying more than I frankly should to see Major League Soccer games, to see New York Red Bulls come play in TQL Stadium. People should pay me to watch <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it, because I view it in part as an investment in the sport. And yeah, I'm not going to see a financial return like the owners are, right. but hopefully we see a return in we see, you know, the growth of the game here. Right. And part of how we've supported the growth of the game was by supporting the Division One Professional League and before that, our local professional soccer team. Yes. And. I guess you know if people have different motivations for for why they follow the team. People have different different motivations for what they do. Um, maybe some people are more tied in with like MLS as an entity than I am. Like I'm not particularly married to MLS as an entity. I right, right just recognize that it's what we have. Right. Right. right.
1: It's D one. It's the highest level here. I don't love MLS. I don't love like I'm not gonna be Rob Lowe with like the MLS logo hat at a game. Like I support MLS because my team plays in it, and it is at this moment the top quality domestic league in America. If there was another league that was the Division One or had like a higher status than MLS, I would want FC Cincinnati in that league too. I have no brand loyalty to MLS. It just happens to be the league my team plays in. And it happens to be the best league possible for a team to play in in the United States.
2: Yeah, and I do reckon and, you know, I don't want to take away from the work MLS has done building a sustainable, uh, ever improving product. They've done something that nobody has done previously. But they're also not immune to to criticism. But absolutely not immune to criticism. When they do stuff I don't like. Right. I'm allowed to complain about it. Right. And people are like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to stop following? No, I'm not going to stop following the team. I'm going to suck it up and eat it and eat the shit. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to be mad about it. (laughs) Right. But it's insane. But like, don't come and tell me that I can't complain about this. What is literally the only thing I can do?
0: Right. (laughs) You can't do that. You've got to Silently protest in a way that I haven't fully formalized. I mean, pro- sure, I'm protest there's... with
1: a microphone, and hear all twelve people that listen to this <laughs> right. are going to hear about it,
2: right? Sure, like, like there's like a ledger probably out there, and there's a num there's, there's a certain amount of points on the ledger that would probably eventually get me to drop the team and and in MLS, which right. we're by the way, we're not even like close to, right? But this would be like. One of the points this would A go on point. the ledger, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> and it's, it just takes, it's like an incredible amount of hubris uh, and um, frankly, disrespect to yes. your fans that the, the reasons that you're giving for doing <laughs> this are clearly not the reason you're doing this. No. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like when. It's like, you know, when like Kim Jong-il makes people would make people say that he went and he shot like a perfect hole in one on every every hole on the course on his first time playing. It's not that he ever thought people would like believe that it's he like knew he had the like authority to make everybody pretend that they believe that.
0: (laughs) Right. And that's what I'm
2: seeing out of like a lot of the MLS like the folks like really tied into MLS who are backing this it's not that like, I don't think anybody thinks they're making a good argument about why a a ordinary fan should support this. It's that they're trying to get, they're trying to show how captive, they're trying to test how captive people are. Right. That they parrot these things, even though, they're not remotely convincing,
1: and the, the the least convincing of it is the yeah you're mad about this online, but you're not really mad about it. no I am fuck you Please. I am mad about this I'm also mad about it online but it's I am actually upset about this I actually don't like this decision um I have a hot take and that I think that FC Cincinnati is partially responsible for giving the final death blow to the U.S. Open Cup talk to me. So, Kevin, if I were to ask you what was the best American soccer game played on American soil in 2023, what would your answer be?
0: It would absolutely be the FC Cincinnati hosting Inter Miami in the U.S. Open Cup semifinal.
1: And if you had to pick what sort of the high watermark of Lionel Messi,
0: ugh. it's fine. All right. Now, you got, now you got two. Oh,
2: Jesus. In
0: fairness, I think he has one. I have one. Unless I'm missing a chief one,
2: but it's it's
0: a, he's bad, he's at four. We're, oh in we're in a bad spot.
1: a bad spot right now. Do we reset <laughs> the count at on January 1st?
0: <laughs> I think we're watching
3: that's Lady that's Ballers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Shit. Um, God damn it. The, God, but a, yes. I'm, OK. All right. So the high water show. mark of oh, a okay.
0: particular Argentinian's career here so far in the U.S. Well, would
1: be what would you say?
0: yeah that that match for sure um
1: i don't wonder like look they've been they have been angling to do this and to divorce themselves from the u.s open cup for a while like that is no secret i don't think they've been looking for a way to tactically retreat from this situation because again i i do believe that the ultimate goal of this is mls controlling all aspects of domestic soccer that the ideal world for mls would be something very akin to Major League Baseball or or hockey, where there are lower level teams that are for player developmental purposes only that are have affiliate agreements with Major League Soccer teams where they share talent. They have some of their own independent talent. They are run as independent business, but they depend on the talent coming through the pipeline for their lifeblood and for their quality players. I think the, the goal of MLS is to get rid of the independent soccer system because then once and for all, they will be c- clear of the specter of enforced pro-rel at some point by FIFA or some other governing body. I think they're, they're just trying to get rid of all that.
3: Mm-hmm. They've
1: been wanting to do that for a while, but I don't yep. wonder if the tipping point this year was that one of Lionel, one of our boys – I'm already. Said, it's once per episode it, okay? gotta, it
2: counts as one it counts as one yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah, one yeah. per episode
1: all right that one of their golden boys biggest moments because he didn't have a lot because he got fucking hurt yep. pretty early on in the process but that w- one of his biggest moments and biggest matches against one of the best teams he played was on another network that doesn't have a fruit in the logo and The idea of these games being someplace else is, you know what? We're done with this. This is not happening anymore.
0: You know how I know you're right. I did sit down and watch the uh, multi-part documentary series of him coming to the U.S. in his early time here. Uh, The Open Cup is not mentioned once, which is... (sighs) insane given what his career has been so far in the u.s so yeah apple and mls are we're already this summer uh this fall whenever the relevant episode came out i was already looking to completely cut its existence because out
1: we, we were talking about that ahead of the match was will apple let him play on a non-apple match if they're part they're covering part of his salary
4: like right.
0: which I will also say, it rolls into a a greater frustration as well of we were all told to take it on the chin eat our vegetables by letting this massive contract happen between the league's broadcast partner and one particular player because it would lead to change transformative change for the league for the players and we would all see the fruits of that sacrifice in the future and originally that was promised as expanded roster uh spend or or lessened roster restrictions which absolutely is not coming at least not this year and now we're actually met with taking a piece of american soccer history away from fans of mls like
3: can i can i it's gotten worse
1: (laughs) can i also be a little bit of a heretic here and offer okay so this is not a defense of mls i don't want it to be construed that way but if this is sort of a we're in a moment now we're about to have a like They did a documentary on ESPN, Requiem for the Big East, where it was talking about the death of the Big East. Big East has never been more alive, by the way. The Big East is phenomenal (laughs) basketball. All these people are losers and haters, and they can go suck. If we're doing Requiem for the U.S. Open Cup, I do have a little bit of anger directed towards U.S. soccer.
0: A hundred percent.
1: That MLS is a bad actor here. But it's not like U.S. soccer is some righteous and good actor who has done everything correctly only to have these corporate billionaire overlords at MLS take their their thing from them. U.S. soccer made this decision way, way too easy for MLS, and they made Mm -hmm. it so that MLS has any ability whatsoever to even make a a cogent argument to withdrawing by refusing to do really really basic shit like enforcing any sort of stadium standards on how these games are played but more than that just US soccer treated the open cup as something that must exist and therefore will always exist and they didn't do things that are real basic to having a competition that is relevant and and useful in the 21st century right on down to that as recently as a few years ago, the official broadcast partner for this was YouTube, and most yep. of these, these games were streamed on an iPhone on a tripod with amateurs calling the broadcast. And it didn't portray itself as a serious tournament. It didn't portray itself as a serious product. If you stumbled across it, a you had to go looking for the U.S. Open Cup, um, and if you stumbled across it, you would be mis- mightn't be mistaken for thinking that you were watching some D three um, amateur broadcast of a school with five hundred students, and I it makes me more mad in hindsight that there was never an attempt to modernize the open cup or to twi- to t- tinker with its format to make it something more akin to the NCAA tournament of a mm-hmm. single elimination game with brackets revealed ahead of time so that you would know your entire pathway through the tournament and stuff like that. Just they they fumbled the ball on the Open Cup and allowed for a situation where MLS could make this decision without there being not just backlash from some parts of the fan base. If the Open Cup was better run, there would have been universal backlash that would have probably made them think twice about making this move, I think.
0: Absolutely, and that's what kills me about some of the cheerleading I've seen of this decision, which is people will voice fine, legitimate gripes about the tournament, but the solution isn't for Major League Soccer to abandon it. The solution is to make the tournament better. And there were a number of things that could have been happening that could have made all of this easier and yeah chief you just rattled off a bunch of them stadium standards broadcast standards treating the broadcast like an actual you know valuable piece of this Uh, this year alone we went in i think it was just a couple of weeks before the first matches before we even knew who had the broadcast rights to this i think hbo looked to try to quickly sell it to somebody else at the last second because they bought uh all of the the u.s soccer rights to the national teams and it came with the open cup and it wasn't clear what they even wanted to do with this but yeah a set bracket uh seating ahead of time the and i Apparently got shit for this, but the lower seed, quote unquote, getting the right of first refusal for hosting rights that can make these games have big crowds. Look, San Antonio, uh, Sacramento, New Mexico, North Carolina. These are really good U.S. markets that the U.S. men's national team is going to be playing games in. Why not give them sold out crowds of facing sure FC Cincinnati's two team. And that's the other piece. They could have let teams register 40 players to an open cup eligible roster and just let them bring up the youth teams. And then if you say, you know what, the roster or the, the schedule congestion is too much. You can let the individual teams decide whether or not that's too much FC Cincinnati this year through virtually a slightly rotated first team squad at every single open cup match sure there were some players in there that we didn't get to see too many other times but there are a lot of starters in a lot of those games because we wanted to i don't know win a trophy that's been around since 1914 um that's what kills me about this is sure you might have some valid, you know some valid complaints but this is not the solution To that, And at a certain point, like my love of the sport of soccer comes from some of the romanticism that, yes, is dying left and right these days. But like there's some value and joy in in some connection to the sport and knowing that we have a tournament that's been going since 1914, that when FC Cincinnati is playing for that tournament in that tournament for that that trophy, that that is something that other teams have done. In the past that connects something to it and at, at the end of the day and this is the tweet i send out that apparently wasn't very well received by some of the higher ups at fc cincinnati but at a certain point you have to be willing to say that your soccer team exists to not purely make money that there may Somewhere, somewhere deep down inside, there might be the opportunity for some amount of charity work, of community building, of uh, being a part of some larger piece of fabric that, yeah, that comes from creating mini pitches for little kids to play on. Maybe it could also be you have Open Cup games with cheaper tickets to let a... a lower class of citizen watch one of your games every once in a while like insane to me that this couldn't be something better and before we we let MLS off the hook entirely not entirely but before we we give them a reprieve and some of their blame here uh some soccer united marketing did run the U.S. Open Cup marketing and broadcast right ownership from 2007 until 2023 so mls surely played a role in making sure that this this tournament wasn't advertised wasn't improved upon had no standards enforced so super frustrating that it all comes down to this i don't know gracing you haven't talked in a while i'll shut up
3: (laughs) yeah so
2: um Yeah, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Sucks>. I'm mad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, look, the. I, I've always
3: been really cynical about. um
2: I've been I've been both cynical and appreciative of. Corporate like community involvement. Uh, in the sense that, like. I think it's good that they do it. Right. I think I even like wrote about this in like the post. Yeah. At one point. And it's good that they do it, but they don't do it because they want to do it. They do it because like they know people like to see it and it's part right. of like their marketing budget. Right. And then some other stuff they might do because people like, like demand it and they make the calculation that like it's better to do this than to put up with what we have to put up with if we don't do it. Yeah. Exxon right? like,
0: has entire parts of their company dedicated to fighting climate change.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, some fans Great found job. out that <laughs> some fans found out that, uh, uh, some other teams had free, uh, sanitary products in the women's restroom mm-hmm. and brought that to the club's attention. And now that's the thing that FC society provides. Boom. Um, You know, there's all types of stuff. So like, you know, complaining about this is an avenue that you can, that we can do. And, um, you know, if, if MLS really cared about, because I hate people, keep people keep going back to the quality of play, quality of play, quality of play. If they really had to, if they really cared about the quality of the play, They wouldn't have done something that affects like, you know, for most teams, one, two, three games that are not as well attended as like regular season games for most teams or like playoff games. Um, They had the opportunity to to take some action that would affect, uh, you know, the whole season and the MLS team's ability to compete in Champions League and the quality of the League's Cup games and the quality mm-hmm. of playoff games when mm-hmm. they looked at, at 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 opening up some of the roster and budget rules and what did they didn't they just didn't they didn't do anything <laughs> no they did nothing um, and so like they added a they added one thing they they added one thing of note to me um but i think that this is a low this is a, this is a low ambition uh, move where mm-hmm. um, now you can get GAM for transferring designated players outside of MLS, but only if those players are TAM eligible. Wow. So only so only somebody on a so that this only helps teams. <laughs> that who, who
0: cheap players that
2: sign cheap designated players. <laughs> this incentivizes teams to sign cheap designated players. Right. Um, that's not it's not a it's not a move that's going to help make the league better. It's going to give cheap owners uh, another excuse to be cheap. Right. And that's it. So if they cared about quality of play as much as they said they did. They wouldn't be complaining about having to play Pittsburgh Riverhounds one time a year on a Wednesday. Right? They would be, you know, if they cared, taking advantage of the Apple deal and improving they, the quality of the rosters right now. If they and cared, not. They, would,
1: they would upgrade the ability to move players back and forth between the two teams for these tournaments if they cared mm-hmm. about quality of play. They would look at things to reduce travel for players. If they cared about the quality of play, they would mandate that no artificial surfaces be used in the league. If they cared about the quality of play, there's any number of things they could do. You know what they could do as well? They could not play the League's Cup. That's another thing they could do. That's a perfectly valid option in this space. But that takes money out of their pocket. And I hate that this makes me hate the league's cup because i really enjoyed the league's cup last year don't make me hate <laughs> my other sibling because you're being mean to my other my brother like don't do that
2: um, you don't even hate my step sibling just because you you're, are being my a shitty parent yeah no right. it's not, not fair um, um yeah, yeah it's just it's
1: it, i just i wish every so often mls would just try not to be an evil corporation for like 20 minutes a day. Just try doing the right thing every so often. Maybe it becomes a habit. I don't know. (laughs)
0: Right. The quality of play in Open Cup is is not a good advertisement for our league. So we're only going to send our reserve teams with our main team's branding attached to it so that people might accidentally see Orlando City B, think it's Orlando and then think, wow, this quality is garbage.
2: (laughs) Yeah, But, you know, if you if you if you watch a game and Pittsburgh Riverhounds upset Columbus crew like happened this past year, I'd love it. Do do people, do people really come away from that? Think or is your is your experience watching that game for the average fan? Is your experience watching that game man? I w- really wish that we had the quality of play of uh New York Red Bulls versus uh Charlotte FC? <laughs> or is your experience Wow, this lower league team might really pull off this upset. Yeah, And then are you excited having seen that lower league team pull off that upset? Right like, like, like
1: the best equivalent. That's to what's, this, what's the better experience? So the, right. the better equivalent to this is bowl season in college football. If some like lower division, like Tulane played USC in the Cotton Bowl last year with Caleb Williams, Heisman winner playing for USC. Tulane won this game. There isn't a soul on the planet that is now going to make the argument that the American Athletic Conference is a better (laughs) conference than the Pac-12 or that Tulane is a better team than USC. It was just a neat moment where the motivations on both sides were asymmetrical. Tulane really wanted to win this game. USC had a lot of people making business decisions and an upset happened. It was cool. As an alum of Tulane, it was fucking awesome. But it doesn't say anything bigger other than I had a great day getting drunk and watching a bowl game. And like To try and make this into some bigger thing is moronic, and it's it's, it's just—it's—it's not—it's you are you're trying to gaslight me into thinking something that just isn't true. It it doesn't yeah it doesn't work that way.
2: And before we you know last I'll say on the roster stuff. Yes, there are some things that would have needed to be negotiated with the players' association. They had plenty of freedom. Yes. Under the CBA to change specific things. I'm not going to get into it down because we've been talking. I'm not going to get into it right now. We've been talking long enough, but (laughs) but there are a room. (laughs) There is a there are a lot of categories and areas specifically spelled out in the CBA that MLS would not have needed uh, union approval for.
1: Can I put a bow on the U.S. Open Cup discussion and ask a question to the group? sure with this decision does this make the open cup loss to miami even more catastrophic because it was probably the last chance an mls team will have to win open cup and it could have been ours
0: i'm still hoping that u.s soccer grows a backbone threaten something enforces major league soccer back there, is, into the there fold. is
1: there is there is somebody dug through this i haven't threatened d1 status yeah that yeah. Th- apparently according to the u.s soccer guidelines on d1 status they are required but a, a league maintaining d1 status is required to participate in all tournaments that are sanctioned by the league and by concacaf and the problem with what's going on right now is that apparently if you do not have a team in MLS Next Pro, you are not going to be eligible for the Open Cups. Like DC United, who does not have an MLS Next Pro team, will not be fielding a team in the Open Cup, which I think is in violation of the D1 status agreement between M- or the D1 status requirements for MLS.
2: So well, yeah. I don't think I agree with that necessarily
3: um but it supports my point so well
2: yeah yeah um i mean it's a it's a certainly a question that needs to be answered
3: yeah
2: um that if cuz mls next pros teams they're not the same as the as the first as the mls teams they're not the same team yeah, there's no argument you can league. make yeah there's no argument you can make that says that like mls i mean you could make the argument it's not a good one they play in a different league The players are separately signed. FC Cincinnati had to transfer Brett Halsey from from FC Cincinnati 2. If FC Cincinnati 2 player wants to play for FC Cincinnati, they have to sign a loan agreement or they have to sign a contract with the first team. Um, Philadelphia Union had to draft a player (laughs) from their MLS Next Pro team in order to get him on their first team last year in the MLS Super Draft.
0: Incredible. Um,
2: There were MLS Next Pro players Drafted by other MLS teams in last year's MLS super draft. I assume the same thing is going to happen this year. I, again, I'm not going to do any research on the super draft, Good. but um, they're not the same team. You know, there is there are some priority you get for your MLS next pro players. There's a little bit of freedom of movement, but like there's only so many loans that are allowed. Yeah. So they're not the same teams. Um and the you know, the pro league standards do require for a first division team that they participate in all representative US soccer and Concacaf competitions for which they are eligible.
3: Yeah.
2: Now so, the- well, I, I suppose if you made the argument that the next pro team participation satisfies this that would also excuse DC United because they're not eligible because they don't have a next pro team. (laughs) But that's a, I think that's a, I think that's a very contorted uh, reading of this rule. It certainly Mm -hmm. is not in the spirit of it. And you know what? Yeah. The Canadian MLS teams are playing in the Canadian championship. Yep. It's just... The Voyager's
1: Cup or something like that?
2: (laughs) Yeah. No, they have... It's their version of the... I think it's just called the Canadian Championship, right? Uh,
0: The Voyager's Cup, I think, is the name of the trophy. It's a similar story to the Supporters' Shield. They didn't have, like, a thing, and so all the fans got together and created the Voyager's Cup. Uh, It might be the name of the tournament now, but I'm pretty sure it's the name of the trophy.
1: Yeah, but that... You know, the Canadian Championship has... When we find it 50,000 years from now, it'll just say V'ger on it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the Canadian Championship has um, Cocky Calf Champions League qualification attached to it. Yeah, right. bullshit. And, it's an
1: easy way to get in.
2: Yeah, and the quality of play, I'm sorry, has can't be any better than U.S. Open Cup. Can right? we
1: register for the Canadian League instead? That sounds like way more fun. will they accept refugees from america that want to play in a meaningful cup tournament
0: hey all i'm saying is cosmos fans ask themselves that same question back in the day cincinnati
1: (laughs) it's instead of cincinnati b it's cincinnati a
0: cincinnati a A. (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the frustrating thing is that this being a league decision takes fc cincinnati's you know decision-making away from them you know if we didn't want to care about the tournament that's fine you can deprioritize it in other ways but i find it funny that people you know when entertaining the idea of oh well they could reduce roster congestion in other ways like reducing the number of regular season games and people go whoa 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 can't just take games away from them they'll lose gate receipts it's like hey i think that's exactly what you just did with the open cup my guy. Like, come on now. This is is getting a little ridiculous. So, I don't know. I like to think that, at best, this is a clever negotiating tactic by MLS to put U.S. soccer in a funky bind, and if not this year, at least next year, they come back and MLS has some absurd advantage in the Open Cup that they didn't already have.
2: If you want to go real nuts on it, Okay, we could talk about how when you know these MLS teams, that go to town to town. They talk about like committing to the city. They get buy-in for the stadium. they're Like, oh, we're going to bring all these jobs. Well, they just cut a bunch of jobs, right? Yeah. Like, there's people are not going to be working this game. Yeah. So to be fewer, fewer people needed to work the stadium. Um, it's anti, it's anti-police officer. You know, because yeah, because there's op- overtime opportunities for police officers. And you know, especially at a at a time like this, um, depending on depending on how you think about the issue, is it really the time to uh provide less support to our first responders? I think yes, but other people may disagree i think I think what FCC Cincinnati
1: is really saying is that all i think what F C is really saying is all cups are bad
0: that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Grayson, let me ask you this. Are there specific player bonuses associated with Open Cup performance? Yeah, so
2: there's the the CBA, what it does is it doesn't like... MLS is not obligated to pay bonuses for Open Cup. Okay. But to the extent that U.S. soccer provides funds, they have to be put into the team bonus pools. Like MLS can't just pocket the money. So there's no guaranteed money that players are losing out on, but they're losing out on the opportunity to earn those bonuses. Because I I assume U.S. soccer generally pays out those bonuses.
0: Right. But at a minimum, for some teams in MLS, or for some players in the Players Union, they now are going to make less money this 2024 season than they would have otherwise without this decision being made.
2: Houston, let's see, what was the bonus pool? It was like 300K for the champion. So that's that's, that's, right. that's 300K that Houston, um, Houston had to spread across their 30-man roster. You know, depending right. on how they decided to distribute that, you know, it's on average ten another 10,000 a person. That's meaningful to a lot of players in MLS rosters.
0: Oh, yeah. Especially some of those youngsters who, as we've already discussed, were making up the bulk of those minutes, at least in the early rounds. So,
1: could uh, mean something to your boy Kip Keller.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just super frustrating. Ian Murphy um, would like
3: that money. Yeah.
0: Nick Haglin,
1: <laughs> for that Come matter. On, all they all want that money. Everybody wants yeah. money.
0: Ten grand. Even if you're wealthy, you'd take ten grand if somebody's passing it out.
1: <laughs> Walk right up to the Jack Casino, put it all on red. Be Twenty thousand before you know I mean, it.
2: Yeah, Lucho could make a payment to CHCA or something, you know.
0: That's yeah. <laughs> like a really nice dinner out, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Um we'll see what happens. I don't know. Uh, it does sound like the independent supporters council are gonna try to get their groups fired up at their in-person meeting coming up here soon we'll see what happens we'll see if we'll see if the high school drama around supporters groups can be put aside for an attempt at direct action but yeah to to that 10
2: grand point um i do you know people because people talk about people talk about schedule congestion right yeah and even players talk about like the number of games they've to play no players are offering to take less money in exchange for fewer games. Right? No. no. <laughs> so they want to be paid the same or more, but or have fewer games. games. Yeah. yeah. Fewer
0: games. Or given how dumb MLS set up their schedule, the same number of games just distributed at a more ideal pace. Like some teams took a month off for League's Cup, but were playing games every four days for two months. So stupid.
1: Also, if anyone at the Independent Supporters Council wants to uh, pay for the postcast to travel to their conference to discuss all the drama being created,
3: <laughs> we will
1: if our expenses and our flights are paid, do I believe Montreal I think is where the conference is this year? Wow,
3: yeah
0: um,
1: if you want to pay, we'll conduct interviews. We'll do anything on your behalf, and we will do look if there's a free trip involved, I'll say <laughs> anything that you want me to say,
2: yeah. and if you don't and if you don't value having you know, independent voices in MLS media, you know, that's also your decision. Right.
1: It's a decision. It's a bold one, but I respect you for making that decision.
0: Speaking of independent media, I got to say I have a awful guilty pleasure looking ahead to listening to the Extra Time episode where they, who I assume all of the hosts... They defend this move. They will have to defend it. And I'm just going to go ahead and assume all of the hosts hate this idea.
1: Or it's it's so... like the scene in Airplane <laughs> Two where they're discussing the uh, this like a spaceship disaster in Airplane Two, and they go to different media accounts of what's happening, and the one that they do from the Soviet Union is the news anchor just has a gun to his head from a hand being held off camera <laughs> as he reports about the impending death of over two hundred fifty capitalists.
2: <laughs> I uh, I've not listened to Extra Time in months.
0: Um. Yeah, you're not missing much. I'm not. Looking I'm, not, forward to this I'm not bragging
2: about that. Um, just stating a fact. I'm not. I'm also not telling anybody not to listen to extra time. It's my. It's my personal hang up. That like. Just due to the, what was happening with various oh, points yeah. of the season starting in August. Yeah. It just became too hard for me. To listen to anything about. Major League Soccer. Well, basically, basically after the game in Columbus. I just like haven't listened to extra time.
0: <laughs> That's a good time to check out. I'll say the last like three weeks, also not great. No, <laughs> so... no, can't can't
2: see. I don't want to know to what that. they say about Matt Miazga. I don't want to know what they say about the MLS Cup Championship. I don't know want to know what they think about the U.S. Open Cup semifinal. It's just <laughs> yeah, one thing after another.
0: Yeah, no, and then no, I boy,
2: you know no. I. I saw them talking about not giving Noonan coach of the year on Twitter. I don't need to hear him say it. Right. Like, I don't listen to stuff just to get mad. That's why I go on Twitter. It's That's quicker. That's Twitter's
0: for. Yeah. <laughs> right. It doesn't That's take an right.
2: hour for me to get mad on Twitter.
0: <laughs> just go to the For You tab, scroll down about four inches, and we're in, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, is oh, that a postcast? That has to be, my God.
1: What are we watching for the movie? Or should we tell people, uh, check the Discord out to find out what movie we're watching yeah, for our special, yeah. Christ- for our special uh, Christmas episode?
2: Watch, so I'll tell you right now, watch any of the Mighty Ducks movies. Yeah. 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 What about Cool Runnings? No, I don't. Maybe we save that for...
0: CONCACAF channel. I literally Konka-Kaf don't know Konka-Kaf any of the Champions movies like... about Jamaica, so... We're in.
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, the Mighty Ducks.
0: Quack quack quack!
1: Ducks. One two and three.
0: We're not acknowledging the uh, the Disney Plus original TV show at this. No
1: no no no. The Gordon Bombay original.
2: Yeah. Oh no, I stand with. um, Emilio. I stand with Emilio. Over. Don't don't Google why he was fired from the show.
0: I couldn't remember where we. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where we stood on certain things <laughs> i thought we were against it all right we're for it but it won't be a part of the uh, film room just just the uh, three theatrical uh, releases right there.
1: the yeah. three three movies and you don't yeah. know which one we're going to talk about so watch all three
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i still haven't decided which one i'm well anyway yeah just watch any of the three we'll all be well we'll we'll hit i'm sure we'll hit we'll hit all of them Fair
0: enough Uh, And with that, Chief Fuck Columbus
4: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cincy Postcast, which is a production of the Post Cincy. You can check us out at thepostcincy.com for all of our written content, as well as links to our social media. You can follow us on Twitter and as well, you can join us on our Discord server. You can find links to that server, both in this episode description, as well as on our website. That is where most of our conversations are going on. We have a lovely community there talking about FC Cincinnati, MLS, anything and everything else and everything in between. We also want to give a huge thanks to Jim Trace and the Makers for providing all of the music you've heard throughout this episode. They're an amazing local Cincinnati band. Again, more information about them is in the description of this episode. And if you enjoyed what you listened to and you've made it to the end, so I'm going to assume you liked it or you just can't reach your stop button, please Like us, review us, subscribe to us wherever you are getting your podcast. That is going to be really, really helpful. But more importantly, share this with a friend. A personal recommendation helps spread a podcast so much further. So please share this. If you know somebody in your life who's an FC Cincinnati fan, an MLS fan, somebody that you think would enjoy this, pass it on over. Thank you so, so much again for listening. It blows me away that people continue to listen to us. And thank you so, so much again.